Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, interviews, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined once again by my always incredibly audacious, awesome co-host, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Thank you, Andrew. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry. I tried to make it like a quadruple alliteration. Cannot do it. But uh, I got I, I got at least a triple in there. I got at least a triple in there. Um, but Understood. While I am good and you are doing well, there are some things that are not going well in the world of JMMA right now. And the big news right now, and we got to talk about before we get into the obvious Ryzen 21 preview, is that Ryzen... As of now, this is uh, February 16th, 10.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, 2020. It will no longer be streaming on Fight TV. And as of now, looks to have no avenue for an English language broadcast, or I should say an English streaming broadcast, or any out- broadcast outside Japan that North American and European uh, uh, viewers can watch. And so... This all started from apparently Fight TV. Some a, a bunch of people asked Fight TV on social media, "Hey, Fight, are you? When are you showing Rise of Twenty One? It's not available." And Fight TV was like, "Uh, we haven't gotten anything from Fight TV from uh Ryzen. Uh, if anything changes, we'll let you know." And then Mike Skype from Body Lock MMA uh, reached out to Ryzen and uh, was apparently told, or whoever the sources were was told, that they are no longer going to be working with Fight TV uh, due to. Some disagreements or something, nothing was really stated concrete. I reached out to my sources at Ryzen. I did not hear back. Um, Ryzen has not said anything publicly at all regarding this whole Fight TV dispute or English streaming uh, or international streaming uh, outside Japan. And so right now, they are, this is almost back to when they first debuted in 2015 where they had no way to show their shows outside Japan. And with that, Christian, I'm going to pass it on to you. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? What the fuck is going on? It Are you upset? What should be done? Say everything that you want to say. Well, to be quite honest with you, if you would have told me around the time that we were covering Rising 20, which was obviously December, right around the holidays, up until New Year's Eve morning, when the card happened, if you were to tell me, if you were to have told me that the Ryzen Fighting Federation wouldn't be airing on any streaming platform, Eversport, Fight TV, or otherwise, going into 2020, and that Ryzen 20 would be the last event shown throughout the world on Fight TV, I would tell you that you're a fucking idiot. But... Now, with Ryzen, not only are they basically, I mean, I don't want to put too much of the blame on Ryzen, because I know that they've been at this for four years, now going into their fifth, with their upcoming event next weekend, February 20th, February 22nd, the morning of February 22nd, 2020. I mean, I understand that this is a business. Things come and go. 
programs come and go, platforms come and go. But the fact that Ryzen, and I don't want to say this, but Japan in general, are still going through this archaic thing where, you know, they're still stuck in what the future would have been like in the 90s. And I think we read about this, you know, from a Reddit forum, like around the time Ryzen 20 happened. Yes. Or actually after the Ryzen 20 review. But the fact that Japan and trickling down to Ryzen is alienating fans outside of Japan, like what Abima is doing now with K1 and Rise. I mean, with K1 and Shudo and Rise, you know, it's crazy to me because, you know, people outside of Japan, they want to see what the hell's going on in Japan because many people are feeling, oh, JMMA is dead. The Japanese combat scene hasn't been shit since Pride was alive. But still, because of Ryzen, because of Rise, because of Shudo, Deep, and Pan Grace, you know, the fight scene in Japan is still alive and well. The fight scene in Japan is still alive and well. But if Ryzen is doing this just to alienate the fans outside of Japan, they're saying that it's going to be shown on tape delay on Fuji TV down the line. But if they're just doing this to just isolate themselves in Japan and nowhere else, I would say, you know, What's the point of even covering them anymore? I mean, what's the point of even covering them anymore if they're doing this? No disrespect to the fighters who bust their ass for 8, 10, 12 weeks at a time just to get to this point to fight for Ryzen, but still. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is the reason why people are saying that Japan has a very archaic structure of how to send things out to the masses. Well, yo, you know, I, I know. I remember that uh, that that posting that we talked about. Japan is so weird when it comes to being so. Ten- this is a country that has like sex robots, lifelike sex robots. Yet, when when it comes to streaming and international deals, seems to be so behind the trend. Like with New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, right now the whole thing with them is. Apparently they're ha- they're having shows in America, and those shows have not even been up uh, have not even been uploaded to their streaming service. Yeah, that's kind of you know uh, half-assing because they're basically saying, "Oh, we got a new branch called New Japan Pro Wrestling of America (NJOA). We're gonna do this home city tour, touring throughout the country with stops in Texas and Southeast and the Northeast." And the West Coast and all these places, but you can't even put your fucking shows up on YouTube for the fans to see, or even up on New Japan World. Exactly. Which I don't get that, because in an age where Funimation Entertainment, based out of Garden Grove, Texas, USA, is doing simul dubs for same day errands of Japanese anime, there has to be something done. Well, with. You know, stuff like that. You know, it's funny to bring up anime. So, you know, you would think, it seems like, you know, we there is evidence to show when anime, that, that there are so many successful anime shows out there, you know, that have gotten on the trend of this whole Funimation or Netflix or VRV streaming thing. And so many of them become successful. 
and get so much fan fan fanfare out of here. But here's the flip side. Studio Ghibli, the studio that's run by Hayao Miyazaki, for the first time ever, is allowing their movies this year to start streaming. And I believe it's not even outside of Japan, though. I think it's only within Netflix Japan or something, I believe. Um, and you would think... And, through for you know that was one of the, that was one of the big things that like oh what movies are still are you can never get uh, that are not available on streaming that you still have to buy on DVD the number one answer on all those BuzzFeed top ten things was always no, Studio Ghibli movies they were always against them being shown streaming or through digital or anything of that they wanted you to see their movies in theaters or on DVD so. You, it, you can blame Disney here for that. Oh yeah, the, 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 the Disney. What's well, well, not against the Disney? But the, there is there is definitely a problem with Japan when it and even with you know let's talk about the streaming services that are in Japan themselves, like Gao, Abima, Sky Perfect TV, uh, Samurai TV, which which you can watch through an app if you have a Japanese phone. So a lot of these streaming services are not available to people outside the outside Japan. Yao does not accept any credit cards that are not Jap that are international, that are outside Japan. Sky Perfect, as far as I know, same thing. Abima, same thing. Um uh, uh I, I made a Nico Nico account to try to watch a Dragon Gate show one day, and this interface was so horrible I could not figure it out how to use it, so I just gave up on it. There there I mean come to think of it. Nico Nico Duga is the same people that air the same people that air that dream show back on New Year's Eve 2011. Exactly. So so there it, there definitely is I here's is it a did 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 you, did is why did Ryzen voluntarily decide to stop working with with Fight or did their contract end and, and Ryzen doesn't want to renew it or did Fight want to ask for like more money or something? Here's the thing as well. Uh, in the same time period, so uh, uh, Focus Fights, your Focus Fights, Christian, uh -huh. pointed out that uh -huh. Ryzen that the Fight had removed all the, all those uh, Ryzen shows uh, from their account. So you could, even if you bought them, you you, did, you didn't get the lifetime replay. You cannot watch them, uh, but they bought them back uh, about a few days later. Now they're going on on a, on a, on a binge strike down of gifts for all, for Ryzen, uh, bare knuckle wrestling, all the shows. Uh, but there seems to be something going on. I don't know who's a. I know you're saying it's not. You don't think it's Ryzen's fault. I don't know. I think this may be another thing like the Bellator posters are where. There is too many cooks in the kitchen, or too many too many people who want their cake and have it too. Um, <laughs> supposedly, you know, Mike Skype from Biolock said that uh, that apparently that they were not happy with the way that Fight TV was working out and not happy with the English commentary. I know there's a lot of people who don't like English commentary of Joe Ferrara and Frank Trigg. Listen, I've heard a lot worse. We and you know, I didn't hear the Joe Warren commentary, but apparently he was like one of the worst I heard. I've heard worse on me, you know. WWE Monday Night Raws, you know, you you gotta watch it mute because I cannot take Michael Cole, um, or what Renee Young, which is she was on commentary. Understood, well, Andrew, but when it comes down to Ryzen, nobody could have been as worse as Drew Cordero with his sexual puns. Oh yeah, so listen, Ryzen has had, they've had bad commentators, and I think that that 
Ferraro and Trigg have had a good rapport. You know, Trigg obviously brings the knowledge. Ferraro, you know, uh, play-by-play guy. You know, so I think I think they had a good a good a good rapport of one another. Um, I don't think it was an issue of money. Remember, Ryzen used to do those green screen commentary things. Um, I'm assuming that they must have done. I don't know if they did them uh, uh, locally in Japan or they just had the the the, uh, the commentators come to some studio. And I don't know California or something, and then they just recorded there. I think in the case of when Moro Ronaldo and Frank Shamrock done commentary for like Rise's first show on Fight, it was done on a green screen. Yeah, you know it was. Remember, remember Anthony Burchek also um, did a show later as well, and he was on a green screen. Of as well. course, that was the show with Drew Cordero. Yes. So I'm the bike. I can't remember. So, but as for where they, I, I would have this. Why would you bring? Commentators to Japan and then have them on a screen screen that would make no sense. So I have to believe I have to believe that they must have done them at some some studio, maybe in Texas, California, New York. I have no idea, but it would just wouldn't make any sense to do that. So I don't think I don't I can't believe it was a money I can't believe it was a money issue. The thing that sucks though, <coughs> excuse me, thing that sucks most is the lack of any communication from Ryzen. We've heard from Fight TV. They said they're not working with Ryzen anymore. Ryzen has not said anything publicly in English, at least, to to about what is going on, and that to me is the biggest crime. As fans, we want to know, and also as somebody who, as a reporter, who w- reach out to them is like, hey, you know, what's going on? You want to say anything on the record, or off the record? They, I got nothing back, and it, it looks like looks like a bunch of other people who contacted Ryzen are not either. So, I mean. Here's the thing. There are people who want to pay for this stuff, who are saying, I want to watch your show legally. Now that I can't do it through this way, how can I give you money so I can watch your show from that, that's going to be live this weekend? And their, fan, and their, their, their lack of response is almost insulting. That, that they are cheap. This is something like, is it a UFC level? It's not a UFC level. You know, where, you know, where Dana's telling fans, hey, if you don't like this show, then don't purchase it. But listen, Sakaki Barra at the press conference, or they said recently, we want to expand North America. Good luck if your sh- if your North American fans can't even watch your goddamn shows. How how are we gonna how are we gonna how do fans how do you gain more fans how do you keep your fans if you are ignoring them and not letting them see your product? Good question. I, 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 I the, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing with. New Japan Pro Wrestling and them running these shows across the country here in the U.S. How the hell are you going to show, you know, what true strong style pro wrestling is throughout the U.S. when you can't even show the damn shows that you're putting these guys on on your platform? Exactly, and, and the lack of, and again, the lack of response in, in, in any form is the most insulting thing because fans want to know. We are supporting. Ryzen 20 was the best publicity, was the best way that Ryzen ended 2019 and came into 2020. There was, everybody praised that show, didn't hear one bad thing about it, not even intermissions. They gained new fans. I had somebody use my Fight TV code the next day who probably saw GIFs or whatever, read about the show and was like, oh, I'm going to buy the show. Tita Junk told me the same exact thing that he had a bunch of people who used his Fight TV code a few days after to 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 purchase the show. They gained a lot of good publicity from that show, Rising Twenty. Went it, people praised it to high heaven. 
and for this and and for this to basically you're ki you're 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 killing your own goodwill now with this show. You really are. You're telling fans that we are not that we are going to ignore you and we are not going to let you know anything. We're not going to keep you up to date. We're not going to do anything. Here's the thing as well. So I got English press releases for this show. The Ryzen has put out English graphics on their on their social media for the show. So we had every reason to believe that this show was going to be shown at least internationally. Maybe not in English, maybe with no commentary, but at least we would get to watch the show. What's the point? I mean, come to think of it, Andrew, and I hate to interrupt even though it's kind of my thing, but if they did all this effort to put half of their stuff in English and not give something out to the English language fans, why the hell did they make an English language Twitter account? Exactly. And also making all these graphics in English with the stats or the fighters and all that stuff. Why would you do all Not that? Not to mention the subtitles for the Rise and Confessions videos on YouTube. Yeah, I and well, you know the funny thing is, there's been no Confessions videos for this for this show. You know that? Oh, yeah, I did not notice that, but thank you for bringing that shit up. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. So, and here's the thing: one of the reasons why we are critical is because we don't listen. Pride was great in its day, but they made a lot of mistakes. And if you want to read more about them, you can read uh, Pride Before a Fall by Lee Daly, um, available on Amazon. And one of the things that, that we want to see, one of the reasons why I started this initially and why you came on, Christian, is because we have a passion for, for JMMA. We want to see this thing succeed. We want to see this, this, this promotion go beyond the island of Japan. And, and we have seen it become bigger, you know. The fighters, UFC has hired fighters from this promotion. Jair Rosenstruck, Crone Gracie, Kai Kawa France. Um, so many fighters have got, ha, have been hired because they have been in Ryzen. Um, I, so, yeah, let's see. Crone Gracie, Jairzine from Pulse and Strike, Khalid Taha, yes. Kai Kawa France, and shit. Yuri Prohaska Yuri, is oh, going to be fighting soon for the UFC. Exactly. So that's five men that they hired from this promotion. Exactly. Exactly. So, and 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 you know, with the with the with the uh, 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 working relationship of Bellator as well, they've now have an avenue. They got their fighters seen on 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 cable television in December. You got to see some of their best fighters on there as well. Um. And so, well, they, actually, some of their best, and the guy in Shinzo Enzai wasn't even a part of the promotion. <laughs> but you got to see what Rising Crew wants to make a a, 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 a they want to stick the, the flag in the soil of, of America. And this is not the way to be doing it. They are doing this, uh, they are going about this the wrong way. I have no idea why there's a lack of communication. It, listen, if, there, if there's, if even just saying, hey, we're discussing it with partners, we can't discuss anything, I just want to hear something, what's going on. I don't, listen, we're, th this is, as fans, we want, I, I know it's not good to have promotion loyalty, but if there's anything I have, the most loyalty I, I have out of, out of any MMA promotion is Ryzen. And I've admired them for the fights that they put on, soccer kicks, using ring, some of the crazy fights that they've had. In, in, in the presentation, and if this is their way of saying that 
we're gonna just be in Japan now. We're gonna be we're gonna basically be like Road FC, but for Japan now. It is gonna it, it this will if you want this will be this the, basically JMA will be it won't be fully dead, but it'll be it'll be it'll be a death rattle. It'll be a death rattle. Um, Christian, I talked too much. I want to give any any more thoughts just, on this whole. Let's just say it like this, Andrew. In the words of Chisel Adonis, who's a great YouTuber and a great sports personality, if Ryzen keeps doing this the way that they are doing, isolating American fans, the corpse of MMA, the corpse of Japanese MMA, won't be dead. But unfortunately, it would still be getting fucked. Exactly. Oh, boy. Uh, with that said, I want to... So, with Fight TV apparently not being the avenue to be to be watching Ryzen on anymore, um, the Focus Fights uh, Twitter account, uh, wasn't you, though. I thought it was you when we uh, initially talked, but uh, uh, put out a entire thread about where Ryzen could go next. And with that, you know, being said, obviously the two... Biggest op, I guess the two main options would either be the zone or or the uh, fight pass, UFC fight pass. And I want to ask you, Christian, the zone or fight pass? What do you think about Ryzen being on either of them? Oh my god! I mean, that's basically like <laughs> that would basically be like to me. Do you want to take a crow cop kick to the head? I mean, do you want to take a pro cop kick to the head, or do you want to take a Mayweather punch to the gut? Mm. That's basically like what you're asking me. Yeah, basically, yeah. Because yeah, I understand, and I'm gonna look at the focus fights red momentarily, because of course they did put out, you know, those. I mean, they did put out a list, and shout out to Teach the Junk for doing that. But they did put out a list of the options that would be available for, you know, the UFC, I mean, for Bellator, either on the Fight Pass, on the Zone, Back to Fight TV, or otherwise. It says on the Zone, they have a subscription model of $20 per month, which makes it the more valuable streaming option. And of course, it would be rising schedule six to eight shows per year. Plus, they will join Bellator, KSW, EFC Worldwide, and Broad FC, who are their partner promotions, as well as some top-tier boxing events so that they can look for potential prospects from either those promotions or, you know, pro boxing, just to get into there. But unfortunately, you know, people don't want to pay too much with their credit cards trying to watch these shows. And, I mean, come to think of it, would anybody be interested in watching on the zone for other things outside of Rise? Well, here, you know, here's outside the thing. The partner promotions that I mentioned. Well, here's the thing. You, uh, you mentioned one of the partner promotions, Road FC. Road FC, ever since it went on the zone, has been a, a terrible promotion. I remember I, I tried. Basically, basically, it's like what Alaska FC is to the fight pass. Exactly, exactly. Uh, there are tons of technical issues, sound, and graphics not working, the show start, the only, oh, here's the other thing as well, so, so, with either UFC, with Fight Pass or, or The Zone, do we get the main card, or do we get, do we get the entire card? That Road FC show I saw only had five matches from the main card. I thought they were going to have the Young Guns section, I love the Young Guns, uh, 
portion of, of, of Road FC shows I've seen. They didn't have that. I only got about five fights. Uh, that, that also didn't have any commentary because they didn't because the sound was muted the entire time. Uh, but they, they also twenty dollars a month. Jesus fucking Christ! That is that seems expensive for a subscription service. Also, being a subscription service, we have two. We've talked about this so many times before. Too many fucking subscription services out there. Really are too many. For sports, movies, TV, whatever. Way too fucking many, man. So, that's enough. Oh, actually, there's too many for television. Yeah. There's only very few for combat sports. But, yeah, you're right. There's way too many subscription services, period, just to watch stuff. Which, of course, you said before, digital distribution is not a... I mean, digital distribution is not the way of the future. Now, also, apparently, I learned that also The Zone... So, when a show is run... You, the show is available for a few days, and it becomes a highlight or something? Uh, I mean, they post YouTube videos of highlights of the shows, like, immediately after the show goes off the air. And especially when it comes to boxing, they don't even show the overran fights, which, unfortunately, in the case of Julio Cesar Chavez versus Daniel the Miracle Man Jacobs in Phoenix a little while back, that show was so fucking volatile that all the fans were forced out of the venue and the last fight that went on that night, which was the last fight of the 20 teams, came, I mean, happened in front of, next to no people. I see, I see. Uh, also, uh, Negative the Zone, apparently it's not available in Europe or parts of Europe. Well, of course it's not available in the UK because of Sky Sports and BT Sports. Doesn't the guy who run it, isn't he British? Uh, Eddie Hearn? Yes. That's so stupid. So the guy, so he can't even watch his own thing. His own, oh, my God. That well, fuck- actually, he can watch it. It's only available on Sky Sports in the UK. Ugh. But when it comes down to the zone, you can watch it in Germany and Austria. You can watch it in Spain and Italy. And I think... Is it available I in Japan? I might be thinking about doing it in France sometimes. So. Is it available in Japan? The zone? Yes, it is. Okay. I mean, also the thing about the zone is, you know, that's the one thing I'm worried about as well. Would we get the entire card, or were you getting only five matches? That That's the thing. You know that's the thing, because when it comes down to both the zone and the UFC fight pass, you have to wonder, will the quality of fights suffer yeah. because of it? Now, with the UFC fight pass, that's nine ninety nine, so it's at least a better price. Um... And you would get Quintet. You at least you know with the USC Fight Pass. I I know this is maybe one of the few times I'll defend it. You at least they at least have other JMMA and other cool stuff on there that you could watch, like the Quintet, Pancras. Um, I know that you got the Pride Library on there as well, so you got that. So at least you get a lot more bang for your buck. Listen, on the Zone, I'm probably watching only two things if Ryzen goes on there. Ryzen, some Bellator shows. That's it. I don't care about darts or bowling or any other crap that they have on there. At least fight. No pa- boxing. It depends. It depends. If it's Canelo versus some someone. I mean, come to think of it, there might be a chance of Canelo versus Ryota Morata. Maybe, maybe I'll believe that when I when when it's signed in paper, when it's signed in blood. Um. <laughs> well, so I know that a lot of people would not want. Because they'd be worried also that UFC fight that UFC would watch those shows, poach fighters from there like they've done with Invicta, which they've done through Pancreas as well. 
Um, so, but I honestly think that they probably would have more freedom on, on UFC Fight Pass than than the uh, zone. Because uh, KSW is also on a, uh, the zone, right? Yeah. Do they show? is Rode FC, EFC Worldwide, which is based out of South Africa, and Bellator. Does now with Bell now the Bellator thing is weird because Bellator also has the thing with uh, Paramount. Do you think that uh, the, 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 have you ever seen KSW shows on uh, the Zone by any chance, Christian? Um, I've seen bits and pieces of fights and bits and pieces of entrances, which oh, they always go over the top when it comes down to those. Of course, but of course. I've never seen. A full KSW show before. I've always wondered if they just show if they show every fight from KSW or what they do or whatever. But um, let's see what other uh, the, so here's the thing. Teep to the Junk had had an interesting suggestion. He said, "Why not go on the Bellator app? They already have the uh, the, the deal with uh, Bellator. Uh, they probably could run their shows unedited, all that stuff. They won't, you know, it, it, they would probably have a lot of free freedom. Your if uh, the Bellator app, I believe, is free as well." So, you wouldn't have to pay anything. Uh, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that how would how would they how would Ryzen make money off it? I mean, would there be a thing where like where you'd have to pay for the seed on the Bellator app? Um, I don't think that would actually happen, though. What do you think about that, Christian? Though, uh, if they were, I mean, come to think of it, it'd be cool if you know Bellator were to integrate Ryzen in some way, shape, or form, but. When you're talking about putting it on the app, I don't know. Because then you would have way too many... I mean, it's like you said before, there are way too many streaming options for television yeah. these days. But basically, if you put Ryzen on the Bellator app, I mean, basically, just like Bellator kickboxing, it would play second fiddle to Bellator MMA. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um... Uh, the other another option that has been said is maybe this is all just you know some company the two companies negotiating you know this aggressive negotiation for either I don't know lesser cut or higher cut of pay I don't know and they go back on Fight TV um, that to me is the best option I I like the Fight TV app uh, I other than the one show where where the earthquake happened in 2018 there has been no I have had no issues at all watching. Any shows of uh, on the, uh, of Ryzen on Fight TV. I've had show, issues watching a lot of GCW shows like like Janela's Spring Break, but that's because those are low. Those are those are like Z level grade production th wrestling things. <laughs> well, of course it is. I mean, gen Generation. I mean, Game Changer Wrestling, based out of Broadway, New Jersey. They're always going below the belt. Exactly, but for the you know, uh, you know, and here's the thing: you don't, you're not paying for a streaming service; you're paying for an individual show. So let's say there's a show that you don't that doesn't interest you. You could skip out on it, not pay anything, save your fight TV credits or money for another show. I think that's a a great choice. Plus, with the fight TV app as well, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you got all of your pro wrestling. You got you got your show, Reality of Wrestling, there, Christian. You got your Ring of mm -hmm. Honor. You got now they got New Japan shows on there as well. If you don't want to subscribe to the New Japan World, um, I think they have also have some Noah or All Japan shows. I think. Um, as well, they had All Japan and they had Wrestle One, that was but a... they haven't really put those shows on there and like. Forever. Gotcha. And the thing is, when it comes down to Fight TV, 
I mean, when it comes down to Fight TV or Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor, the only way you can watch those shows is through, you know, their respective apps. Oh, yeah. Their yes, respective yes. services. Honor Club for ROH, Impact Plus for Impact. The other issue is also Fight TV has, uh, has, has alienated a lot of fans with their whole stupid copyright strike binge war that they've been going on. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who are like, we don't want to see on Fight TV anymore because if we can't get, if, if, if Fight TV is going to gonna strike us every time we put a GIF on, I would rather have them on another platform where they won't do that. So Fight TV has kind of fucked themselves in that way because, well, because they're stupid. So in that way. Uh, one of the uh, Combat Republic, uh, the Combat Republic people, great people, great podcast, said, why not, how about on Access TV? Now, the Christian, I want to ask you, Access TV, I thought they were done with MMA. I thought they got, when they got, Anthem bought them out, they got, they got rid of all, uh, everything MMA related. What do you know about that? Well, thing is, they haven't, I mean, when they got rid of the LFA, you know, they basically, you know, breached your contract. Yeah. And now, the people over at the LFA, Ed Suarez in particular, the head, the head honcho behind that promotion, he's suing them because of the fact that, you know, they, they being Anthem Sports and Entertainment and HDNet LLC, the former HDNet LLC, Basically, they breached the contract by getting rid of them and not really letting them fulfill their contract to the promotion, I mean, to the network. So now they're on bypass for the premium. And I guess now, even though MMA is not officially dead with, you know, Combate Americas on Access TV, you have to have a feeling that you know, Access TV feels a little lost now without MMA because MMA was a staple of theirs pretty much since they started the network back in 2001. Well, yeah, they also got rid of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Only thing that, honestly, that's on Access TV at this point that anybody cares about is probably Impact. And that's, honestly... Yeah, because they might be getting rid of women of wrestling after all, and... 20 years after the original show got canceled. Who the hell wants to see them go away again? And let's be honest, uh, Impact is not the hottest thing right now on that thing, on that channel. Here's the problem, though, if it's on Access, though. So, my my issue would be if it's, it'll probably be like the one, the one shows on TNT. It probably would be clipped. They'd be high, they might have a full fight or two, but here's the thing, you're not getting a full show at all. That that four or five hour MMA show is being cut down to two hours, maybe even one hour. Worst case scenario, 30 minutes. There's no way that they would air in an unedited entire show of, of, of Ryzen at all. You maybe would just get the, the main events, the, 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 main, the main card matches, the Fuji TV matches. Um, well, if you think about it, back when they had Dream... And Sengoku, they used to dub over entrances. And they used to clip fight down. They used to clip fights down just for that same purposes. And the same thing also went with K1 and Shudo and Pancrase as well when they had those promotions. 
But here's the thing, at least then it was an MMA channel. I would be worried about a champ. Here's the thing, the only reason why Anth why Access TV right now exists is because Anthem wants to show Impact Wrestling. I have a big problem with a, basically it's a wrestling channel right now. Uh, a, a wrestling channel just trying to adapt to an, a, a well, Japanese MMA show. I don't care about their concerts, Christian. I don't care about Willie Nelson or Def Leppard concerts at all. Or Sammy Hagar. I mean, yeah, it's not just a wrestling channel. It's not just a music channel. But because of the fact that they got Steve Harvey behind the scenes working for them, it may turn into a lifestyle channel. Ugh, Ugh even worse, even worse. Uh, I, so I, I think Combat Republic's suggestion is interesting. I just don't think, like, in terms of what I want... From, and also, here's I don't know. Does Access TV do they 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 edit their sh stuff for content, right? For like you know inappropriate content, like violence, cursing as well, right? Well, duh. I mean, they're owned partially by Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't want my Japanese MMA promotion with soccer kicks, um, especially if Manel Cape is fighting or you know Jay Kuhn. Listen, I don't need my, my I don't need to see edited stuff. You know, listen, it's MMA, it's adult stuff. I don't know if if Access TV were to like, oh god, I'm just thinking like I, I don't know. I just don't want to see it edited for 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 uh for children's sake to be family friendly. Uh, you know, I get how you feel. I mean, because when Access TV used to be HDNet, they used to show all types of crazy ass content. I think I remember seeing a show with. Katie Darrell, who's like their rock and roll goddess. Yeah. And I've seen some, like, chicks dancing around naked at the near end of a show. <laughs> ah, no, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Now, also, you yeah, said... That, you... But the thing is, but the thing is, the reason why Access TV probably, probably gets away with half of this is because they don't subscribe to the Nielsen ratings. That too, that too. Um, you also, also, it's, it's, while it is a channel, you know, it's not available everywhere. And it's only on the Philo streaming app. I think that's what that's what you called it. Is that what it's called, Christian? Yeah. I've it's, never heard of that. It's not only available on Philo, but it's available through most cable and satellite providers, but only as a premium option. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, because it's in HD. Uh, I, the other, well, there's two other options that I saw. Um, Bleacher Reports. What do you think about them going on Bleacher Reports? Now, here's the thing. Um, I mean, yeah, I get that 1FC shows on there for free with the exception of big-time events like the One Century shows, and I think they're going to do the same with the One Infinity shows. And also, they also got amateur MMA with Triton fights out of a place that you probably know more than I do, Waterbury, New mm -hmm. York. Yeah. But still... I don't think that VR Live would probably be the best option for Verizon because then you would have to have them deal with the Ted Turner regime, which is now basically just AT and T and Warner Media. Also, they probably would that be that be a conflict because if they're if they're with Bellator, you know, you know, Bellator's on Paramount, uh, a competing network. I don't know with that could sour the relationship between the two if they go if they if they're involved with another media company that's competing with uh, Paramount. I believe. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the other option is they have their own streaming service. They create their own or they use 
something through the Ryzen Federation YouTube channel. Geo, hopefully geoblocking it for Japan or something. Something like that. What do you think? Do you think that they should do their own thing or go through YouTube or something, Christian? I think that would be understandable, but then again, much like when it comes down to how VTR video, I mean, how VTRs used to be hidden on English language broadcast, again, they would have to run into a problem with copyrighted music. They would have to run into oh, problems yes. oh, God. with fighter entrances. Especially with YouTube. YouTube, YouTube, right now, YouTube is... I know that like a year or two ago there was the ad apocalypse. It is still probably is probably just as is probably worse now when it comes to to anything. Um, but now you got the cope apocalypse because now some users are basically getting child locked. Exactly. Oh, that's the other thing as well. So now YouTube wants to be the family fucking channel, and now apparently if you're <laughs> it, apparently there's a thing where, like if you're if your show, if your whatever your content is not family friendly, you will not get any ads at all, apparently, or something along those lines. Uh, I think so because if you, I mean, there's like settings on your YouTube channel that you have to go through YouTube Studio for, where if you put down saying that oh my content's not for kids, you're probably not gonna get notified. For you know certain certain you're probably not going to get notified for certain channels you subscribe to, and you're not going to be able to save videos, you know from so fucking stupid accounts because of the fact that they're going to get child blocked. So you can't comment on anything, you can't share anything, you can't really get, you know, the affiliations. That's so or the fucking, arbitrations from that. And so if, I I would like to hear you know I know when I see streams there's shows through YouTube. I wonder if there's any other promotions that stream their stuff through YouTube um, as well, or who have had any, any issues or anything of that sort. There's two promotions that do that. SFT and Future FC, both based out of Brazil. Hmm. I mean, I don't know, like, I, I I wish there would be, like, some, like, English promotion I could, like, contact and be like, oh, hey, Ring of Combat, do you show your shows? On, I, know, I know Ring of Combat is not on YouTube, but if they did, Ring of Combat, how is it like uh, airing shows on YouTube? Is it is it an issue or anything? Um, but also, I want to ask Christian, what do you think about uh, about them setting up their own streaming service? You know, using because I know that New Japan, Noah, DT, All Japan, they all use the same, I guess, program or service provider that that that, that they stream their shows with. If you look at it, it's 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 the same exact like format and everything. Do you think that Ryzen maybe could? do that on their own? I think they could, just as long as they don't partner with a Bima TV, as well, long as they make it accessible for English, or inter, I mean, for English-speaking or international fans, and as long as they make, you know, as long as they make it reasonable to where well, we don't have to pay a shit ton of money just to see it. Here's the thing, is what, here's what would worry me about that. If they're offering it directly, directly, Ryzen, through their for the, through their thing, I would be worried about Gao and Fuji putting up putting a uh, uh, what do you call it a um what do you call um what's the uh, uh firewall not a firewall when, when there's like uh when you can't like when, when uh, an embargo an embargo for it uh for a certain amount of weeks or like you know after it airs on Fuji or after two weeks or whatever that's what I'd be worried about. 
because I, because it might be harder to geoblock something if you're directly um, supplying the service. I would feel like I'm gonna guess that a lot of people at Ryzen they don't have a lot of computer technology IT graduates at Ryzen, which is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, but uh, but my guess is they would not know how to how to geoblock it. And if it's like like you know New Japan and all Japan where anybody can access it, I feel like. It would not be accessible for us, for anybody, until after those shows air uh, live or however after a few weeks in Japan. That's what I'd be worried about. Um, right. Now, with Giao and Sky Perfect, they're not English-friendly. Same thing with uh, all, all those things, as we said before, not English-friendly. I don't. If those are the only ways that those are available, we're fucked because we're never seeing them or we're seeing them like a month or two later. So that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see... So here are the other two options that I just saw here. Uh, well, three, briefly. Um, uh, I don't know if it was you who said this or Teep. Uh, WWE, uh, the, uh, the WWE Network, Crunchyroll, or Peacock, NBC Peacock. Oh, fuck. You know what? I think I can go ahead and say this without a doubt. There's no way in hell Vince McMahon would be willing to put over the WWE Network just to bring Ryzen in, there would be no way in hell that Peacock, NBC Universal, would be willing to do another MMA, I mean, would be willing to work with another MMA promotion because they had the WEC, and it was a gym. They had the WSOF, and it was a gym. They had bad stints with the UFC and a one-night stint with Komachi Americas. That didn't really go so well. So I don't think that they would be interested in doing another MMA show. And as far as Crunchyroll goes, there is no fucking way that an anime company, that an anime streaming provider whose sole purpose is to basically put over anime and manga, but mostly anime, there's no way that they're going to be able to go into you know, the live sports market, because, of course, live sports is a whole different animal compared to anime and manga. Absolutely. No, I agree with everything you just said. Absolutely everything. Um, I also just noticed here, New Japan uh, New Japan Network. New, New Japan wants nothing to do with MMA anymore. That nearly killed them. They don't want to do anything with that anymore. They're done with that. Oh, yeah, no shit. I guess... Blame, I mean, many people are going to say blame Enochiism. Yeah. I, I want to say yeah, also, right. Christian, you brought up uh, sports. I guess the one last thing we can I can ask is, what about ESPN app? ESPN Plus app? Fuck no. Fuck no. No way that they're going to work with the four-letter network because it didn't really go so well in Japan anyway. Gotcha. It being ESPN. I think so. It looks like the only two realistic or three realistic options would be either they set up their own thing, the zone, or fight pass. If not, we're not seeing these shows, or we're seeing these shows much, much later uh, outside Japan. So, of course, I know I don't like to say that the outlook is not good, but right now the outlook is not good for Ryzen's international um, international reach. And speaking of lack of international reach. I think we should talk about the Ryzen 21 show, which will not be, as of now, being seen outside Japan uh, right now, Christian. So, uh, mm-hmm. want to talk about this? But you still want to go through it, right? You wanna hear, listen, anything can happen at, 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 at midnight hour. You never know. 
Maybe they'll offer for free on Eversport or something. Maybe they'll they'll they'll, they'll do something like that. Who knows? I don't I know. Mean, come to think of it, Eversport is. I mean, last time I checked, I seen the last time that they had live events on there was from the Big Sky Basketball Conference, and that was almost a year ago. Listen, I'll uh, I'll take anything at this point. I want this show on paper looks good. There's a lot of people who want to see the show because of how good Rise of Twenty was. Rise of Twenty made a lot of fans, a lot of new fans. Something that's very rare nowadays, especially in MMA, especially for a Japanese promotion, running their shows at 2 a.m. with 45-minute intermissions. You gained a whole bunch of new fans who want to see their shows through gifts, through through word of mouth, everything. People want to see more of Ryzen. And basically, right now, is it is might be this show might not get that opportunity to get to get seen by the outside outside Japan. Nonetheless, though, we're hope we're we're going to cover it in the hopes that it will still be there, uh, it will, that we can still see it somehow, hopefully legally, uh, and all that. Uh, with that, Rise of Twenty One, going to be airing February twenty second, not on Fight TV, but from the Hamamatsu Arena in Shizuoka. Hamamatsu Shizuoka, Japan. Yes, yes, and uh, have they they have been to Hamamatsu before, right? Or have they been to Shizuoka before, Christian? Do you happen to know? They've been to the Shizuoka Prefecture, but this is their first time in Hamamatsu. Gotcha. And just for the record, this show won't be airing live because Fuji TV, being the pains in the asses they are, they're going to be airing this on tape delay. I oh yes, that too, that too. So. The only, the only way you're going to see this show live is Sky Perfect TV and get out. And if you're live in that arena in Japan. So, no matter what, if you want to see the show live as of now, book that ticket to Japan because that's the only way you're going to, you're going to be seeing that show. Um, we have a, a, a very interesting card, I think, on paper. We got have a seven MMA bouts, five kickboxing bouts, and one very, very weird <laughs> jujitsu exhibition. Now I know that people have issues, or you know, the kickboxing things have always been a weird thing to cover. I did a lot of research on all the uh, on the kickboxers for this for this show. We got some some names that are known or or repeat rising fighters. Uh, we got some names that are, I mean, I'll say interesting choices to have uh, uh, kickbox, especially when I give their record. Um, but for the most, I, I, it's a very interesting, uh, collection of characters, I will say. And so... Do you want to give out the five kickboxing bouts first? Absolutely. So, the first kickboxing match, uh, that will be shown, uh, is a catchweight 59 kilogram, uh, kickboxing... 130 pounds. 130 pound kickboxing match between Mazachi Tozuka versus Masahiro Ozawa. And here's the information that I have from both of these gentlemen. So, uh, Tozuka has fought in Rise before. He is also from the Shizuoka arena, so, or area, so he'll be fighting uh, locally. Uh, Ozawa is a southpaw, also from the Shizuoka area. Uh, a lot of his, You can find a lot of his kickboxing matches from Hamamatsu. Uh, they, 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 they are in Hamamatsu, so that's why I assume that he is from that area. He utilizes a lot of body strikes. And kicks, particularly knees to the body. And so, here are some a little bit of particulars about these two gentlemen. So, okay. Tozuka, height is 165 centimeters, which is 5'5". Five five. He is 33 years old. 
He has a record of 10 wins, 9 losses, 1 KO, 1 draw. Ozawa, 167 centimeters, which is also 5 foot 6, 30 years old. He has 2 wins with 1 KO, 1 decision, 2 losses, 1 draw. So, we have 10 and 9 and 1 versus 2 and 2 and 1. Um, and here's what Ryzen says about these two. Tozuka utilizes relentless strikes to control the fight. Ozawa does the same. Two fighters with a high pace. Christian, I know this is going to be hard. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> well, if we learned anything from watching these 59 kilo, 130-pound fighters, you know, take to the ring and Ryzen, is that they can put on one hell of a show. It's just the fact that I think that when it comes down to this particular fight, the one that has, I mean, which one that you said has a record of 10 and 9 with one knockout? To Tozuka. They both have, they both each have one knockout win on their records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Tozuka's probably gonna, you know, outclass Ozawa in this because Ozawa's only been in a minimal amount of fights. Ah, that's, that's, that's very true. That's very true. Um, mm -hmm. However, the thing is that, you know, for some, Tozuka, he's fought on Rise before. I couldn't find a lot of video on him. I found more video on Ozawa, Ozawa's matches, than Tozuka's. I mean... So you think that Ozawa's going to win because he's more accessible? I, I think mean, I, accessible I was able to see what he can deliver. Um, he's, he's a very, he's a relentless guy. He, uh, as the, uh, as the thing says, he's a, he's a strong, he's a strong puncher. Um, uh, doesn't get tired, you know, and I gotta say, I think from what I saw of him, I have to go with Ozawa. I mean, it's a really, it's a flip of the coin, 10 and 9 versus 2 and 2. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would have to say that, uh, that Ozawa takes this, um, Simply because I think that from what I saw in the videos, that he is a much more well-rounded kickboxer. Any last thoughts, Christian? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think I have any more thoughts. Let's go ahead and keep going with the 154-pound matchup next. So yes, we have a we have a kickboxing match of the of the singular uh, given names uh, match, as I like to call it. A lightweight 70 kilogram, 155 pound, as you said, match uh, between Yuya versus Koki. Or as he's known on Tapology, Yuya Shibata. Now you gotta be careful. There's an MMA fighter who also goes by Yuya Shibata. They are not the same people. They are, but they have the same name. So we will call him Yuya. We'll and and the other and taking on Koki and now Yuya. 177 centimeters, five foot nine, at a bright young age of 26. And here's what I have of Mr. Yuya or Mr. Shibata. Do, 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 do. He is a, a Ryzen. He has been in Ryzen before. This is not his his first rodeo here. Actually, I believe he was in the first fight, the first ever uh, Ryzen show. I believe. Let me double check on that. Um, he was at Ryzen, oh, excuse me, Ryzen 16, uh, where he knocked down Yuki Tanaka uh, with three knockdowns. Uh, this was last year in June. 
So he is 1-0 in Ryzen. Um, and uh, his opponent, oh, sorry, his record. Uh, apologies. He has 23 wins, 12 losses, 3 draws, 11 knockouts, 12 decisions. And Breaker. he is taking on Koki at 183 centimeters, 6 feet tall, at a younger mm-hmm. ripe age of 23. He has mm-hmm. two KOs. And as I found on Tapology for him, he fights out of the King Muay Thai Ring Gym Camp in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. Yes. Uh, uh, Yuya has has been a K1 uh, champion in 2010 and was a deep kick uh, 65 kilogram champion as well. Uh, Koki, mm-hmm. though, his record is 2 0. He's only had two mm-hmm. pro kickboxing fights. Now. I'm going to read what they, uh, what they, what Ryzen provides. They said that Yuya will bring his textbook striking and vicious knockout power when he meets Muay Thai prospect and Ryzen newcomer Koki. This will be Koki's third professional fight. Now, here's what I've been able to find on Koki. Nothing much other than he is Muay Thai trained. With that, Christian, I think this is an easy one to pick. Who do you think wins? I think Yuya Shibata is going to win because he's a little bit more experienced. A little he bit more. A deep kick. He's a former deep kick champion, and Koki obviously is coming in in a bit of a mismatch. Yes. With only two fights ahead of him. He's a Muay Thai and guy. going into his third fight, he's going to have to, as they say in poker, shuffle up and deal. He also is a Muay Thai guy. He's used to elbows. He ain't going to be able to use those elbows in this. Yuya, uh, I think this is an easy win for Yuya. Um, hopefully he'll be, and you know... Hopefully he'll be a he'll have a nice even record of twelve knockouts, twelve decisions with with a knockout uh, win of this uh, of this fight. Um, with that, shall we move on to the next boxing match? Yeah, because this one this one upcoming is future features a Bolivian fighter who you probably have to search on Facebook for. Yes, this is this will be a catchweight sixty kilogram kickboxing match that is one hundred thirty two. Point three pounds between Sado, that is what he goes by, Sado from Japan. Sado Michiguchi. Who will take on Henry Sejas. And that is Henry with two R's, not one R. So, uh... Any info on Sado Michiguchi? Yes, well, here's what I pulled up before I read what Ryzen has for us. Uh, Sado is 35 years... Oh, I actually found that out before uh, Ryzen uh, put that out. Uh, that he's 35 years old. He trains out of the MAGA gym. MAGA. M-A-G-A. And it does not stand for Make America Great Again. Um, <laughs> um, and, and this is in Rapungi. He calls himself Saitama's Donkey Kong. And he's a fighting junkie. Uh, like you said, his, his last name is Yamaguchi, you said? Mizuguchi. Oh, I have it as Yamaguchi. I have it as Yamaguchi. Oh, well, damn. Stupid me. <laughs> That's what the translation I, said. That's what the translation put it as, as Yamaguchi. My, my apologies. Zato Yamaguchi. Uh, do, you and, have any info, do you have any more info on him as yeah, far as his record? As, uh, well, also from what I saw of him, he's just a basic kickboxer. Nothing at all exciting. As for him, as for him his height is 172 centimeters. He's 5'8". Do you want me to read his record, though, Christian? Go ahead. Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? Please do. His record is 13 and 20 
and two with four KOs, nine decisions. Holy shit. Are you shitting me? Nope. Now, Henry Sejas. 165 centimeters, 5'5", five 30 years old. As you said, originally from Bolivia, but now lives in Japan. Uh, just like mm -hmm. the other kickboxer um, from last year, who's also from Bolivia. Um, mm -hmm. Let me go ahead and try and that gentleman's you know, name. search for him more because I know that I tried to get a chance. I mean, I tried to interview him, but he had not replied back. For some odd reason, he's like one of those fighters that didn't really, I mean, yeah, he understands English to the point where I had to try and, you know, get that translated, but still, I tried to get an interview with him, but he didn't reply back. Anyways, he's from a little small town in Bolivia called Rubilalta, Bolivia. He now lives out of Kani, Japan. Do you have, oh wait, actually, he is 30 He's 30 years old, born October 10th, 1989 in Rivalta, Bolivia. Now, do you have his record? Yep, he is 17-7-2 and, and two with four KOs, 13 decisions. Funny thing is, uh, between these two, Sato has a higher finishing rate at 31% versus Sejas at 24. Now, Ryza mm -hmm. says that Henry... What's his record? Sorry. Oh, wait, actually, what's his height? 5'5". Uh, Sorry, 5'5". Five five. Oh, uh, so now, short. now uh, Henry and Sato both like to stand in the pocket and trade blows. Henry throws compact and accurate strikes, while Sato comes in heavy and uses his rotation to throw powerful punches in close range. Now, I also found you can find a lot of Sejas's, um, uh, uh fights on YouTube. Um, a lot of them. And uh, he's fought in the Hoos Cup, Deep Heat. He's incredibly fast. He uses volume to wear down his opponents. He never seems to get tired. He's also a training partner of kickboxer, of rising kickboxer Danilo Zanellini, who you remember beat uh, John Wayne Parr in his last mm -hmm. fight in Japan last year. Um, Sayas lost his. Not to mention, it was John Wayne Parr's last kickboxing match. Exactly. And uh, Sayas lost his most recent match in heat against Shoki by split decision extra round. Um, mm. Interesting fact as well Sayas has also fought. Uh, another fighter on this card, Kenichi Takeuchi, but we'll talk about him later. Um, and so, between these two, Christian, I think this is probably an easy pick. Who do you think wins this fight? Sejas. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What, 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 what? I mean, do you need, a, do you need a further explanation on that? 13 and fucking 2. 13 and 2, really? 13 I and mean, 20. Excuse me. I mean, yeah, come to think of it, we know that Sato Yamaguchi is pretty experienced when it comes down to kickboxing, but he's coming in with a losing record. Sejas is rusher, has a better winning percentage, and probably has a better finishing percentage, would you say? Well, you know, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I listen, if you're telling me, you know, listen, if you show this to any person who doesn't, um. To who doesn't watch kickboxing, you're like, say, hey, who, who do you think would win a kickboxing match between the guy who's 17-7 and 13-20? And um, uh, yeah, they would obviously say Sejas. Exactly. Uh, I've, uh, no. mm -hmm. I, I'm, I really don't know, like, you know, if, I, I don't know why, if, I, I guess there must be a reason why they, they chose Sado that be in this, you know, um, I, if, 
I mean, 13 and 20 is like, listen, here's the thing, if you're 2 and 0 or something, that's, you're still having a record, but like 13 and 20 is like, that's like bad. That's like bad, bad. Yeah. Uh, at least it's not felony Jones Bennett bad. I mean, he's 30 and 40. <laughs> oh, okay. Or, um, who's the, wasn't there, um, doesn't Travis Fulton have an under 500 record now? Well, he's like, uh, no, Shannon Rich does. Travis Fulton That's it, Shannon Rich. That's what I'm thinking about, Shannon Rich. Um, But yes, should be an easy win I for think Sam. Last time I checked, Shannon Rich's record is 57 and 90. Uh, oh, wow. Jesus Christ. Um, But yeah, should be an and easy win. And last I checked, when it came down to Travis Fulton, he has like, I think, 260 wins. Oh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Something fucking insane. But with that, Seas should be an easy win for him. Either by decision or knockout. Um, should be a good fight. You want to go to the next fight? Absolutely. Uh, next fight is going to be a flyweight, 57 kilogram, 125.7 pound kickboxing match between Kenichi Takauchi versus another singular name on this show, Naoya. So, and by the way. Obviously, it's not the. Boxer named Naoya anyway, nor the K1 star. Naoya <laughs> Robin. Exactly, exactly. Now these now this is gonna be I don't know. I don't know this will be this might not be a good match, I feel like, and I will explain why. So let me first explain let's start with the singular name Naoya because you know it's always easy to it's always very easy to find funny footage on somebody who's a uh, who has a singular first name from Japan, that's a very popular name. Just kidding. So, Naoya has has done shoot boxing, Muay Thai, and kickboxing. He lost in his Ryzen debut at Ryzen 12 to Ryuki by decision in a kickboxing match. Um, he is... Ooh, excuse me. I'm going to get my notes about Naoya up because uh, I think I had something. Do, 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 do. Ah, here we are. Uh, Naoya. So... Naoya is 177 meters, five foot seven, two. Uh, I was about to say two feet four inches, five foot seven, age twenty four, and he fights out of the versus uh, camp in Japan. Um, you want to hear his record, Christian? Go ahead. He is nine and eleven and one, four KOs, five decisions. Oh wow! His opponent. Kenichi Takeuchi, 171 centimeters, 5'7", 22, very close in age. His record is 22 and 10 with and 22, 10 and 2 with 8 KOs, 14 decisions. And I'm going to tell you, watch some videos of him. I was bored as fuck watching him kickbox. He is so basic. He is so basic. Yeah, he is the basic of basic kickboxers. In fact, so we mentioned that that he and Saheas fought each other. Saheas schooled him. Saheas, it was like watching. It reminded me of the junior second was it, no the third JDS and Kane match where Kane was just walloping. Uh. uh uh, JDS. Remember that? Do you remember that fight, Christian? I remember seeing it. I remember hearing about it, but I never really watched the full thing. Before. Now that fight did go in. That that fight did go to a decision. Observably so. 
So I have no idea. Oh, so let me read what, what Ryza says. Takauchi and Naoya are gifted with their body structure, where they usually take advantage of their reach, but this time they are facing opponents with the same feature. Long reach and accurate jabs with quick quick kick combinations. So I this is a tough one to choose because we have a guy who's so basic and bores me to death in Takauchi versus Naoya, who's got an under 500 record. Christian, any thoughts about who wins between these two? Well, I was thinking I'd get your thoughts first. Oh, Jesus, you're going to put me on the spot? Fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. Sorry. Um, you know, I like a comeback fight. I like to see co people come back from adversity. I'm going to pick Naoya in this. I think that Naoya is going to hopefully school the very basic milk toast Takauchi and get a 10 and 11 win. Hopefully get closer to a record that is not an under 500 record. You know what? I'm going to have to agree with you. Oh. I mean, what you said about Takeuchi because, yeah, he's boring from what you said. Yes, he is. But when it comes down to fighters who are two wins shy of the 500 mark, you can't really judge a book by its cover, as they say. You can only judge what they can bring to the table. And of course, Nalia is 9 and 11 overall, and he's going to have to come into this fight for something to prove. Yeah, hopefully, you know, I'm hoping that um, that 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 he uses this opportunity. You know, I'm gonna be in the biggest stages of, of this of my career or second time. I'm going to use it to hopefully get a win. You know, make up for the for my uh, under 500 record. I really hope so. Um, yes, unlike Takeuchi, Nalia has fought in Ryzen before, like Ryzen 12. Remember? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, um. I know he got uh, he lost that fight, and if you look at his tap his his tapology record, he's it's it has a lot of his losses on there. But you know, just because you're a loss, you know, you know, do you? I mean, if you believe that the rec the the fighter makes the record, the record doesn't make the fighter type person. You know, hopefully, um, this will be it will be a great opportunity for him to 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 make a comeback. Who doesn't love a good comeback? Right, right. And now, as far as the big boys are concerned, the super big boys, oh. as the folks at New Legacy Inc. like to call them. Absolutely. I um, mean, do you want to go ahead and talk about this? Because oh, yeah. I also have their particulars up as far as, you know, their age and weight. Oh, yes, yes. So we got a big boy kickboxing, uh, the final kickboxing match of the night. Uh, this will be a heavyweight, 120 kilograms. That is a total weight of a hundred, 260, 240 pounds. I have 260, 120 kilograms, 264.6, Christian. It's going to be heavier than that. You think but so? Still, it's close to the age of Rio Sakai. First of all, the actual age for Jusakata, he's six feet, one inch tall. He's 42 years old, born July the 18th, 1977, and represents Maki Chim Aichi, fighting out of Toyota Aichi, Japan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you might think that's a fucking car name, but no. So, uh, Christian, I have that he's 22, not 42. Oh, damn you, Tapology. <laughs> I mean, unless Tapology is, is right, I mean, here's the thing. If you look at his picture, he looks like he could be 22 or 42, honestly. <laughs> I mean, so there's no telling if he was born in 1977 or 97. It's really hard. He has that weird face where it's like, I can see both, you know. 
because he's also big. You know, the the bigger the bigness is what uh is what throws it is what throws me off. You know, uh, I, I mean, do you have Jisukata's kickboxing record while we're talking about how thick this dude is? Sure. Um. And by the way, Rising is the age is twenty two. I mean, I'm gonna assume that they that you know topology when it comes to kickboxing is a little bit eh, wonky. Um. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't trust him, but there's better sources out there. Uh, his record, he is ten and seven with seven KOs, three decisions. He has made most of his uh, of his kickboxing wins in Big Bang, um, a uh, promotion in Japan. You can see a bunch of his fights on YouTube. Uh, let me see if I had any uh, other notes on him because I did see a few of his fights. Uh, he's Muay Thai trained and he's big. That's what I have. <laughs> and as for Rio Sakai, because I've heard of this man before, he fought in the Anoki Genome Federation. Yep. He's five foot ten. He, of course, topology as you say is wonky. His last weight was two hundred five point four pounds. But oh, I'd say he's 265.4. Yeah. <laughs> he's 32 years old. Born March 24, 1987 in Niko Tohiki, I mean, Niko Tohiki, Japan. Representing for rest of Matsudo, fighting out of Matsudo, Chiba, Japan. He is 8 and 10 as a mixed martial artist. Riding a two-fight losing streak. One of those two fights was a TKO loss to the deep megaton champion Rocky Martinez at Deep 88 Impact. He most recently lost to former Dream light heavyweight Grand Prix finalist Tatsuya Mizuno via knee to the head of a grounded opponent at Deep 92nd Impact back on October 22nd. Now, do you have his kickboxing record? Well, no, because this is going to be his first kickboxing match, it looks like. Oh, of course. And also, he's fought one time in Ganryu Jima before. In addition to all those times he's fought in MMA, which he fought for Grabaka, Deep, the Mongolian—I mean, the Mongolian MMA League—and for Antonio Anoki, which he has a one and two record fighting for the. Well, he has a two and one MMA record fighting for the Anoki Genome Federation. So, I mean, I don't know even know if I. These big boys? I don't even know if I even have to ask who you like. You have a guy who's a professional kickboxer, Muay Thai trained, going up against a guy who's never fought in kickboxing before, who's eight and ten, who gets knocked out a lot. <laughs> am I am I missing something? Is there is there is there a piece of the puzzle that maybe we should be looking at, but we're not? I just hope that Noah Nokiism breaks out during this fight. Yes, Other easy. than that, I have to say that Jisukata, because Jisuk of the better record, he probably might win this. Well, not even that. This is a kickboxing match, and it's an MMA guy going to a kickboxing match. So let's assume that the age of 42 is correct, Christian. Jisukata uh -huh. at 42 could defeat Sakai at age 22, or 32, or 12, or whatever. <laughs> Basically, it would be no worse than picking on the chubby kid. Exactly. This should be an easy win for Jidokata. If not, you know, oh well. I guess sad day for Jidokata. He lost an MMA, uh, MMA fighter. I guess it'd be a good, you know, it would be a great win for Sakai because he's on a losing streak. But what the fuck? You know, you remember what Mike Tyson, do you remember what Mike Tyson said when he was asked by WWE, uh, WWF, you know, to do a match? And they were going to have him put over 
like he was there having beat a wrestler, he apparently turned it down because he said, I'm not a professional wrestler. If I'm going to your sport, I'm going to lose your sport just like you would do if you came to mine. Do you remember, remember hearing about that stuff? I I mean, this is like the first time I'm hearing about this, but I did hear him something, say something similar to that. Yeah, like when it, the, the whole Attitude Era, Degeneration X, Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. Apparently they're going to have him do a match against... Um, Ken Shamrock. I think it was, yeah, Ken Shamrock. And he was like, listen, if I'm going to do a match against Ken Shamrock, I'm going to lose because it's a pro wrestling match. This is not my, this is not my sport. So, but they wanted him to beat Ken Shamrock or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because it was going to be basically a battle of who was going to be the most dangerous man in the world. Exactly. Exactly. So, he's, Sakai's going to somebody else's sport and it's probably going to lose. History has shown that's usually what happens. Whether it's Conor McGregor going into boxing, Michael Jordan going into baseball, it happens. It happens in every sport. Marion Jones getting off the track field and going to basketball. I mean, that, that you, shit happens. Uh, who's the guy who knocked out um, uh, Tim Sylvia, the the boxer, on the MMA match? Merciless Ray Mercer. Yeah, you have exceptions like that, Ray Mercer. But by all accounts, Tim Sylvia was not was, was apparently like. Was not taking that fight seriously or something, whatever. But and but we oh another example: James Tony and Randy Couture. You go into somebody else's sport, you're probably going to lose no matter what. End of story. Judo uh, Kata for for the easy knockout win in the first round. With that, Christian, I want to give give you the the first MMA match of the night and this featherweight clash. Ah uh, yes, we go now to the first of seven mixed martial arts. Bah. Let me do that again. We go to the first of seven mixed martial arts contests on the evening at Ryzen 21. The first is a featherweight clash at 145 and a half pounds or 66 kilos, pitting Azadabajani Menace and Tofik Musayev's training partner, Vugar Bubuki Kilemo, versus former PXC star Kyle Agibo. Now, first of all, the particulars for Vulgar, he is 14 and 3 overall, riding a 10 fight winning streak. Mm-hmm. He's 5 feet 9 inches tall, weighs in at 157.8 pounds. He fights out of he fights out of Orion and hails from Baku, Azerbaijan. By way of Ruslan FC in Baku, Azerbaijan. And he is also a pancreation fighter. He also just sorry, just oh. just briefly say Christian. He also has trained a trained a team alpha male in California. Oh, in, yeah, in Sacramento, California, USA, of course. <laughs> but still, from what I'm trying to get out on his short arm record, he has a 14-3 record, six wins via knockout, six via submission, and he most recently shined. On the Bellator 234 prelim card, or postlands, I'm not sure, but he knocked out the showman Gustavo Blitzer in one minute, 29 seconds, barely 90 seconds, back on November 14th in Tel Aviv, Israel. Now, as far as Aguilar is concerned, the former star of Pacific Extreme Combat. He is 5 feet 9 inches tall, weighs in at 145.3 pounds. He is 30 years old, born April 14, 1989. He is 13 and 8 overall, 
representing Spike 22, fighting out of Yoma, Guam. He is 13 and 8 overall. 10 of his 13 wins by way of decision. Now, as far as his decorative background, he is a former Pacific Extreme Combat Bantamweight Champion, of course. Pour out a little look at the PXC, they are done. May they rest in peace. <laughs> and of course, he is a recent six-fight veteran of Pancrase, won one and two overall, most recently losing to Isao Kobayashi for the Featherweight King of Pancrase title back at Pancrase 309 on October 30th. No, on October 20th. And of course, if you know from Rising Confessions videos and seeing him at Rising Fights, he is a frequent training partner and close personal friend to the Yamamoto's. Norifumi Kid Yamamoto, who, of course, is no longer with us. And, of course, he's a training partner, frequent training partner of Ursin Yamamoto and Miyu Yamamoto. So now that I basically wasted all my breath reading all this, who do you think is going to win this fight to just so also training partner or the Yamamoto training partner. Well, it's fine, you know. It just also add that uh, Ognon is also uh, a training partner of John Tuck and Rocky Martinez, who's also on the card. So mm -hmm. and they both represent Spike Twenty Two. Exactly, and we did uh, do an interview with both Rocky Martinez and Kyle Ognon, which is available on the SoundCloud and Stitcher. Well. As well. Actually, for you, it's available on SoundCloud. I haven't uploaded my interview yet. Oh. Either one of them. Please but do, I Christian. Will on the Focus Fights YouTube channel soon. Good, good, okay. good. But now, here's the interesting thing about both these fighters. So, in my research on both these fighters, uh, an interesting uh -huh. fact about both of them is that neither has ever been finished in an MMA match. They have only lost by decision. Now, here's the thing. Ognon is also a guy who doesn't really finish a fight. If the fight is going to decision, it most likely would go in his favor. But, uh, Vugar is a guy who looks for that finish in the first round. Now, with Ryzen apparently looking to make a, a serious featherweight division this year, maybe even a featherweight tournament, who, the, who knows? I And also, the rumor, you know, how long is Tofik going to be in Ryzen? That's a big question. Because, apparently... UFC made an offer to Tofik. I don't know if they, he turned it down or what's the status of that, but apparently that is something that happened. Um, mm -hmm. So, I'm, what I think is that if 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 it is true that Tofik might leave uh, Ryzen, you know, they might need another Azerbaijani on that roster. So why not mm -hmm. Bugar? I don't think that Bugar is the is the is the caliber of fighter that Tofik is. But he would at least be a B plus replacement for him. I'm going to have to go Vugar Karamov for this simply because I think that 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 Karamov is the is the more aggressive, stronger, and the guy who goes for a finish. Will he finish Ognon? I have no idea. But you know, it'll be interesting to be to be the first guy to finish him, uh, Ognon. What do you think, Christian? I think that when it comes down to you know, actual skill level, these two may be equal. But, if you're, I mean, but of course, Vugar has 12 finishes. Yeah. And that's all that needs to be said 
when it comes down to that. I know that Aguilar says he enjoys fighting in Japan. He enjoys fighting in front of the Japanese people. But the Doodles had 10 decision victories. I mean, the Doodles, basically a points fighter. And I hate to say it like that because, really, he's had some hard-flopped out. I mean, he's had some hard-flopped outs in both PXC and Pancrase. But when it comes down to actual finishing power, and that's what it's going to come down to, I think Bugar is going to whip Kyle Money Aguilar's ass like a government mule. I mean, here, well, here's, here's what their finishing rate is. Uh, Vugar is has an eighty six percent finishing rate, while Agnon Agnon has a twenty five percent. He's never even knocked out anybody. Mm-hmm. All three of his other wins are via submission. And I actually did see one of those submission wins from PXC, and it looked like it may have been a mistake for the on the referee's part because the guy did not tap. Uh, this was a fight from a long time ago. You can't. Uh, you can see a lot of uh, Agnon's stuff from Pancreas on the on the fight path, but if you want to see his PX. The the Pacific Extreme Combat stuff that's all available on YouTube, but yes, mm-hmm. I think that. Yeah, I mean, again, pull out a little liquor because PXC is officially dead. I think this and is. And I'll talk more about the new promotion that, you know, has replaced this promotion, PXC, when we get to Martinez's fight. But yeah. still, so, you saying that Vugar's gonna win? Too? I think this is gonna be a coming out part uh, party for Vugar. Um, you know, a lot will be said, you know, if we see Caramel, if we see um, Tofik there, I think, you know, maybe that'll be some good hope that maybe he won't be with uh, UFC. But but I think I think regardless, we're going to have an Azerbaijani getting his hand raised in the Hamamatsu Arena. I see. So you want to go ahead and move on to the next fight? Uh, yes, would you uh, mind if I take over this one, Christian, since I am familiar with both of these gentlemen, including one personally? Go right on ahead. We have a bantamweight 61 kilograms, 134 pound matchup between Japan's, well, not, well, formerly Japan, but now living in New York, uh, Long Island. Well, actually, uh, New York City, uh, but makes his byway of Long Island training at the Cerro Longo uh, Weidman camp. Long Island, New so York. basically, he's from Long Island, New York, USA, by way of Toyohashi Aichi, Japan. Yes, training partner of Oka Suzaki, Wideman, you know, everybody knows them. Uh, Naoki Inoue, former USC fighter Naoki Inoue, taking on Australia's kickboxer, kickboxer slash boxer slash Muay Thai fighter slash MMA fighter Trent Gurnham. Um, or Trent Nino Loco Gurnham. Exactly. Now the the reason why I want to talk about this fight is because these two fighters are both so similar, yet so different. So, listen to this. Both the same age. Both the same heights. Both have almost a very, very, very similar record. Gurham, 11-3. Naoki Inoue, 12-2. So, are you reading this off of Sherdog or are you reading it off of Tapology? Sherdog's record is twelve and three. I have uh, this is from Ryzen. Are they counting a kickbox? They might be counting a boxing or kickboxing match, maybe. Mm-hmm. But still, you can basically say that, like Mike Goldberg likes to say for Bellator broadcast, they are virtually identical. Now, Gurdem is a striker, but if we saw he, he his debut in Ryzen last year against Victor Henry. 
we got to see him dominate Victor Henry for almost three rounds, taking him down and, and controlling him on the ground. And might have won that, won that fight had it gone to decision. Funny thing is, though, in a way, is the grappler. He has a, many submissions by rear naked choke, I believe. Uh, and won his most recent fight in deep by rear naked choke as well. Uh -huh. A funny thing also, in a way, has never been finished in an MMA match. And Gurdum has never been knocked out, as far as I know, while Inouye has no knockouts on his record, and Gurdum being a former uh, boxer, or I, I don't know if I should say former boxer, but, you know, started out in boxing, uh, has four knockouts, but also has four submission wins on his record. Uh -huh. So we got a lot of things at play in this, in this whole thing. I like this. I like this little matchup because there's so much, there's so many little details between these two gentlemen that are the same and that are different. I, I really like it a lot. Uh, it's really, it's really, really, really fascinating. Also, by the way, as well, yeah, I forgot to also say that uh, Gurdam, he's, the only, he's, been, he's only been finished three times. And we saw that with the Victor Henry fight, the reverse triangle choke, uh, rear naked choke, and heel hook. Uh, so, you know, he's been... He might have an Anthony uh, Rumble Johnson thing where he just can't help getting submitted by rear naked choke, and he's taking on a guy who excels at the rear naked choke submission. Uh, how many times has he uh, won by rear naked choke? One, two, uh, three. Three times, and the rest are by armbar by submission. So, I don't know. There's just so much. There's so much cool stuff in this little fight. I love it. Um, uh, I also talked to. Uh, to uh, Naoki anyway, did a video interview of him, which will be uploaded in the Ryzen YouTube, we are Ryzen YouTube channel, uh, shortly, but by this week, he says he's been improving on his boxing a lot, and I did see him hit the pads a lot, you know, he looked, he looked, he looked very good on the, uh, on the stand-up, question is though, can he, will he choose to stand up against a guy who is a trained boxer, who trains out of Tiger Muay Thai, and and Phuket, Thailand. What, do you want to do that? No, he's originally from West Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Do you want to do that? Do you want to play into that game to either throw him off or maybe show like, yeah, you know what? I can do this. I can beat this kickboxer, boxer, shoot boxer, MMA guy. I'm sorry, Chris. I, I, I'm gonna. I want to pass it off to you. What do you think about this fight? Who do you think wins? Well, if you think about it. I mean, if you really think about it, Naoki Inouye, who also trains alongside his sister Mizuki, who is now in the UFC at Sierra Longo MMA. Yes. Cool. He has eight submission victories in 12 wins out of 14 fights. Gurdham, from what I'm looking at on Showdog right now, he has nine wins via finish, four submission, I mean, four knockouts, five submissions out of 12 wins in 15 fights. So it's going to be a really exciting brawl between these two. You think, when you say brawl, do you mean striking fight, or do you think it's going to be a mixed fight? We're, we're, we're gonna, it's going to be like, uh, in a way, trying to go to the ground, and uh, Gurham trying to get a stand-up. What, what do you think, how do you, what do you mean by brawl? Just want to expand on that? I think that it's going to be a knockout, drag-out dogfight between these two, even though these two weigh in at 135 pounds. But still, 
I would have to think that when it comes down to submission game, of course, anyway has eight submission victories, Gurdham has five. But I do think that it's going to probably end with a submission by one of these two men. And I think that it's going to have to be, I mean, I'm sorry, Tanino Loco, I tried to get an interview with him. He seemed to have cold feet. He couldn't, I mean, he hasn't responded. But still, when it comes down to this fight, I think we're going to see a new star, a new Japanese star emerge for the Rising Fighting Federation. And his name is going to be Naoki Inoue. Because he's probably going to win this fight via he's going to win this fight via submission, and probably go on to do some exciting things in the promotion. Here's a question though I have: MMA fights start start standing up. Do you think at all that that mm-hmm. that, that that in a way might be finished by knockout for the first time in his career? I mean, come to think of it, if he's not careful, he might. Because also, here's the thing as well, don't forget, unlike USC, which we saw this past weekend with those two DQ uh, losses or wins for the respective fighters, knees are knees and kicks are allowed on the ground. If if Inoue tries to go for a takedown or something, Gurdum can just knee him, kick him, you know, whatever he needs to do. He doesn't have to worry about any of those those grounded rules or anything. So, in a way, he's... Those disqualifications that may end up... Over him and his fight exactly. So you might say that Gurnham almost has the total advantage in terms of the rules that are allowed in Ryzen. If this were UFC, you might say that mm-hmm. in a way has the uh, the advantage. I feel like. But unfortunately, we're not fighting in the fucking octagon. We're fighting in a twenty foot by twenty foot ring. That's why I think that Gurnham has the advantage. I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually disagree. I think you know I talked in a way. You know, and, you know, I I think he's got a great game plan. I think, though, that Gurdham, you know, he's currently on, on a one-fight winning streak with MMA and a one-fight winning, and, a, and, and won a boxing bout as well last year. Um, I think that I the likelihood, I think I'm going to assume and hope that he learned from his, his, first, uh, his first fight with Victor Henry. And we did see a great fight, a great fight. He was able to to basically uh, beat, uh, he was beating Victor Henry the first uh, the first two rounds. And then, you know, Victor Henry, you know, with the help of Josh Barnett, obviously prevented that from happening. Uh, so, I'm going to have to disagree and think that Gurdon is going to take this, I think. I think going to... think so? I think Gurdon, I think Gurdon is going to finish by TKO. I understand, I understand, but obviously that's only if anyway fucks up in the first couple of rounds, because of course... Not even, even if you, even if you try and stand with him, you know, uh-huh. you risk getting knocked out. Uh, uh, Gurdum has, has finishes by body punch, knockout, kick, uh-huh. and here's the thing, you're adding grounded kicks and all that stuff, I think that that puts Gurdum at a, at a severe advantage uh, with rising rules. If this were UFC, mm-hmm. I would put Inouye at the advantage and maybe pick him. But in a in a, in a Ryzen fight, I think that Gurdum has the has the advantage in it. I think ideally Ryzen would rather have Inouye win. I think, but I think I, I don't know. I feel like Gurdum. I feel, I just my gut is telling me Gurdum wins this. I mean, are you sure about that? That's what my gut says. My gut says that that I think that that Gurdum's gonna get a finish. I really do. Understood. I think it's gonna be a I'm fun fight overall, I'm though. Be surprised if he does. I think it's gonna be a fun be fight honest. overall, though, because listen, they're they're so close and yet so different at the same time. 
and it's going to be a great contrast of styles. You know, I think it's going to be a great fight to watch. Uh, well, if if we can watch it, I just I, I should say, hopefully, hopefully we can see this fight because I really look forward to it. Exactly. Now, what I'm not looking forward to is what we got to talk about next. How do we talk about this? I don't know how to talk about this. How do we talk? I mean, come to think of it, you know damn well it's a crazy ass freak show, basically. It's a one on five. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Exhibition featuring Roberto Satoshi de Sousa versus members of Team Nakai. Now, if you know anything about past Japanese MMA history, you would know Yuki Nakai got blinded when he took an ass kicking from Pete and Gracie in Ballet Tudo Japan 94. But of course, he's overcame that, he survived through that. And now he's ran a successful Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fight club that caters to the less fortunate and to the underdeveloped, I guess. I don't know how to really put that into anything different than that, but still. One of the matter is, it's a one-on-five Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu exhibition. It's Roberto Satoshi de Sousa versus members of Team Yuki Nakai. And that's Yuki Nakai, Hiroshi Shinagawa, Koji Shigemisu, Edison Kakohara, and Yuna Kimura. Now, can you give a detailed explanation as to who the other four people on Team Nakai are outside of Yuki Nakai? Okay, so most of this stuff it comes from the Body Lock, um, Body Lock MMA. Uh, great people who run that website. They do cover um, the, 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 they do cover uh, a lot of Rise and JMMA. Uh, be, uh, a, a whole bunch of things. They're like MMA sucker, uh, focus fights. Um, this was written by Mike Skite. Everybody knows him as Tacos. So we're gonna start. We're gonna start. We're gonna, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I, I can't believe I'm gonna be reading this. We're gonna start with Yuni Kimura, who is an orange belt, high school female. I believe she's 13 years old. She competed at the kids division of, a, of an ADCC Jiu-Jitsu Championship back in April and won. She said, because the opponent is a black belt, referring to Souza, I will do my best to borrow Mr. Satoshi's chest. I have no idea what that means, but that's apparently what she said. Okay. Basically, she's probably saying she's going to try and find a weak point to, you know, cut him off at the bottom. I guess so. Next, I guess, you know, this is elimination, so I'm assuming that, you know, it's one by one by one, whatever, um, uh, is uh, Hiroshi Shinagawa. Uh, he is a comedian from Japan who works under the name Shoji Shinagawa. He's a white belt, and he does grappling as a hobby, which is why he has a white belt. He says, I am so honored to have an exhibition match in front of a top chess class player in Roberto Satoshi in a large audience. I don't care about my age to start to jujitsu. I want to show that a 47-year-old white, white belt like me can still work hard. Well, you know, good luck with that, as uh, JR said on the on the end of the, uh, I think it was the all-out or all-in show, whatever it was. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> so the next after that will be Koji Shigemizu, a purple belt. Um, now, here's... Okay, so we're getting a little bit competitive now. Um, okay. Like uh, like fellow jiu-jitsu uh, grappling star, Jean-Jacques Machado, uh, well, kind of, uh, Shigemizu was born with paralysis in his left arm, Competes in para, para jiu-jitsu with multiple tournament wins to his name, including 
the Abu Dhabi Paris Championships in 2017 and 2018, which he both won. And he says, I was born with a paralyzed left arm and have a disability to move freely. Even such a person can do jiu-jitsu. Instead of using my left arm, I use, I use his feet, I use his head. I've been doing jiu-jitsu for more than 10 years without giving up. I've had the chance to rise to the horizon ring, and I hope to be able to show off that day. After that, we have Edison Kagohara, a black belt, who is the head instructor at Overlimit Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Saitama, Japan, and it has academies all over the world. Um, he's also the chairman and the director of the Asian Sports Jiu-Jitsu Federation, and he's won multiple championships in grappling, and you can see him on YouTube as well. He says, I think that I thank Satoshi and Ryzen for giving me this opportunity. I will do my best to, uh, not to waste this opportunity and, and to spread the joy and enjoyment of jiu-jitsu to the world. I'll do my best. Thank you. And then after that will be Yuki, Nata, Yuki Nakai, team captain, as you said, MMA legend, black belt. He was in the Valley Tudo tournament uh, of uh, 95 where he fought. How, how many times was it? Two or three times? I think three times in one night. And, uh, Gracie and got blinded. Yeah, he got blinded. He beat, uh, if you met, for you WCW fans, he he beat uh, Gerard Gordeaux and uh, Sergeant Craig Sergeant Pittman. Sergeant Craig Pittman. Uh, <laughs> and then also, of course, Rickson Gracie as well. Um, only 13 fights, but here's the thing as well. He was blinded. He got blinded in his fight with Gordeaux. So obviously, if you're blind, you can't fight. You, I don't recommend fighting MMA. Honestly, to tell you the truth. And he's competed against Jean-Jacques Machado, Vitor Roberto, Leonardo Vieira. Um, he has his own gym. Um, Pan-American champion across two different belts. Um, he's from the Hamamatsu arena as well. Uh, Hamamatsu region as well. So he's a local boy. Mm-hmm. So Now, I just got to ask, what are your thoughts about, you know, what the... This is going to happen. I mean, what the hell is going to happen in this? I guess what happens is... Do they even call it a contest? Well, they list it as an exhibition. I'm assuming no matter what, everybody gonna, is going to do jujitsu, is going to grapple with Souza. So even if Souza somehow loses, they'll go on to the next person they'll, and they'll grapple Souza. So I'm assuming as, 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 as... I mean... Now, here's the thing. There's no women's women's fights on this card. You only have Yuna Kimura, who's going to be grappling with DeSouza. Now DeSouza, mm-hmm. I mean, by like, way of that, she'll be the youngest person to compete in a rising ring. I can't believe that DeSouza is going to like. Have you seen DeSouza on quintet and his jujitsu things? Have you ever seen him compete again? Done that stuff, Christian? I've heard about it, but sadly, I have not seen it. Because I can't believe that he's going to go at the same pace he does when he's like, when he's, I don't know, I'm trying to think of who who is he who is he taking on uh on uh, 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 these uh, things has he uh has he faced Gary Tonin I think I feel like he's faced Gary Tonin before um let me see if he's uh was it Gary Tonin or Gordon Ryan um whoever oh wait no no they were supposed I looked like they were supposed to fight but they didn't okay. Satoshi has fought uh, Gracie's before. Uh, Jake Shields. Okay, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to go the same pace and, 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 and aggressiveness. I would hope not. God forbid I wake up the next day and I, and I read that Satoshi DeSouza choked out a 13-year-old. I hope I don't read that. I really don't. 
Same thing with... with, yeah, with the, they were probably... I mean, if this were taking place in the States, Roberto Satoshi de Sosa would have to be locked up for child abuse. Exactly. I can't believe he's going to do the same thing to Shinigawa, who is an actor as well. I don't know. Maybe when it gets to the Sh Sh uh, Shigemezu, Kakahara, and then Nakai, we'll start seeing like a serious grappling match. I can't believe, though, that like the first two people are going to be... It's going to be serious. It's going to be like a fun thing. Maybe he'll like let them get positioned, but he'll reverse or something. I've... That's the thing. I have no idea how this is going to be. They don't even list how long it's going to be. My guess is probably three or five minutes, you know, and then they bring the next person in. You know, that's the thing as well. You know, he may they may just go to a draw for the first two people, and then he'll start actually grappling as well with the, uh, seriously grappling with the next three. Also, I think it's going to be in the gi as well because everybody pictured in the uh, promo pictures are in the gi. I mean, in the end, I don't know, like, it's an exhibition, so I guess it doesn't matter in the end. I guess, or I guess DeSouza wins. I guess that's that's what's gonna happen. It doesn't matter in the end, but DeSouza wins somehow. Of course. But how do you think that this exhibition will compare to the other two times that Ryzen has tried jujitsu? Of course, I'm referring to the match that was between Frank Shamrock and Kazushi Sakuraba. I think about three years ago now, and four years ago, back in 2016, obviously the year before the Sakuraba versus Shamrock Jiu-Jitsu belt, there was a tag team Jiu-Jitsu contest between Hideo Tokoro and Vandalady Axman Silva. No, wait, actually, Hideo Tokoro and Kazushi Sakuraba versus Vandalady Axman Silva and... TK. Uh, well, I mean, I listen, tag team, I like tag team grappling or tag team things because it's just, it's fun. It changes up things. And we see that Submission Underground, Shell Sonnen's thing has has adapted that as well for their things. We'll be seeing Gordon Ryan and uh, uh, Craig Jones teaming up, it looks like. And uh, so, I guess Ryzen was a little bit of a trendsetter, maybe, perhaps, in the grappling world with that. The Frank Shamrock Soccer Robin match was one of the worst things that Ryzen's ever put on because it was just a staring contest. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was originally supposed to be Sakuraba versus Hendo, which I thought was a very interesting matchup. I thought that like I thought that was an interesting matchup to 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 make. Um, uh -huh. but, but you have to admit that the tag team match, the tag team grappling match between Wanderlei Silva and Suyoshi TK Kosaka versus Kabuki Sakuraba and Hideo Tokoro was not equally bad, but no, just, it was it was it was more like. A weird spectacle, kind of, because also because mm -hmm. also it wasn't like a mixed match where like you could see Wanderlei going up against Sakuraba or Tamara, you know. So it, oh, it was Kiyoshi Tamura, not Tsuyoshi Osaka. Oh, sorry. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. It was just a, it was just it's just it was an interesting it was an interesting like weird little thing. I guess this will be kind of the weird thing as well. I don't know. I just, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, w listen, if, if, if this somehow gets shown on some, uh, legally Christian, would you be saying that you're looking forward to this or not, or you just have, you're just neutral because you have no idea what to expect? I would basically say that I would have to be neutral because when it comes down, I mean, obviously when it comes down to a one-on-one -on -one contest. You know what to expect. Two guys looking to submit each other. When it comes down to a tag team battle, as I know, I'm a wrestling fan. 
you're looking for some good quality tag team action nonetheless it's in jujitsu and you're just finding a way to not get bored off of what the hell is happening yeah. But as far as one on five exhibition goes, I don't know. I mean, I'm a weird fucking person, but I think that, you know, this type of content would just be not only for the casual fans, but basically for those who are just looking for something weird to just talk about. And I think this fight is going to be one of these weird little things where people are just going to try and ask, you know, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it, you know. I have no idea what to expect. Mm. So do you want to, now that we are off the beaten path, do you want to get back on it with some more MMA? Absolutely, please. Let's get back on the MMA uh, train, please. <laughs> and with that, we go on to the next of our seven MMA fights on this card. It's actually a bantamweight contest at 61 kilos with 134 and a half pounds between Yuto Quintano Okamura versus Ichikato. A little bit of the particulars on Kenji Kato. He is 5 feet 7 inches tall. He weighs in at 124.6 pounds, but we need to bulk up to 34 for this fight card. He's 29 years old, born October the 20th of 1990. And he's a local boy fighting at a KO Shuto Gym in Pamamasu Shizuoka, Japan. As far as his record goes, he is 10 and 6 overall. The 10 wins. Well, actually, no. According to Sherdog, he is 11 and 6 overall. Six of his wins by a TKO. And he is a veteran of Shudo and D. Now, as far as Yuto Kintaro Okamura goes, he is 5 feet 6 inches tall. Well, he's in at 135.7 pounds. He's 26 years old. On March 19th of 1993, he represents Peace Lab Osaka in Pancrase in Gakigumi. Fighting out of Naniwa Tokyo. No, fighting out of Naniwa Osaka, Japan. Now, as far as his record goes, he is 12, 8, and 2 overall. He is a kickboxing practitioner. And he had, no, wait, actually, according to Shardark, he is 15-9 into overall, with 80% of his wins, 12 of them might I add, via TKO or KO. As, of course, he is a kickboxing practitioner who knows how to knock a motherfucker's head off. So, now that I've wasted all my breath, oh, and by the way, he most recently challenged for the Bantamweight King to Pancrase title, losing to 1FC Turncoat. Rafael Morseco Silva at Pancrase 307 back on July 21st. So now that I completely wasted all my breath, oh, and shit, again, wasting my breath here. He's a veteran of Pancrase through and through, but he's also fought for Rings the Outsider, Ballet Tudo Japan, Deep. 
breath. What do you think about the fight? And who do you think is going to win now that I just spared you all the details? Well, also just to put a little bit, uh, a little bit more, th uh, a little bit more details in. Uh, Kato is also from Hamamatsu as well, so he'll be fighting in front of his hometown. Um, these, these, these fight—it's it's weird. It's like these two fighters are like maybe the polar opposites in many, uh, in many ways. So, uh, Kentaro has eleven knockouts and one submission win, while Kato has eight KOs, no submission wins. So I watch a little bit of Kenji Kato uh, on YouTube. And this is what I have of Mr. Katow. He is a guy who can go the distance or knock you out. However, he has no ground game. In one fight in the, uh, that I watched, in the first round, he had his opponent in his guard and didn't seem to know what to do. Um, he also lost his first pro MMA match by rear naked choke. So, we're having a guy, uh, Kato, who seems to not really give a shit about bringing the fight to the ground or knows what to do when the fight is on the ground versus Kintaro, who does have much more experience on the ground with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, submitting opponents, at least one opponent as well. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, who's moving up in weight again, Christian? I, uh, who's moving up in weight? Did you say, was it a uh, Kintaro? Kato. Kato. Oh, okay. Kato. Okay. Hmm. I mean, you know, I would have to say that I think the better fighter in this is probably Kintaro. I think he's the more well-rounded fighter. I think if it goes to the ground, he'll know what to do. Problem is, is that Kato can knock you out very easily. But I guess it's kind of like with the Inouye Gurdon fight. I think that Kintaro will maybe bring this to the ground and and try to uh, finish Kato that way. What do you think? I mean, as I stated before. I think Kintaro's going to have a bit of an advantage because, of course, most of his wins are via TKO. So, the sooner that Kintaro finishes the fight, the more exciting the fight will be. I mean, the sooner he finishes the fight, the more exciting it will be, is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. But, if Kato ends up, you know, finding a soft point in Kintaro's game... You know, it may be a long, boring, plotting fight. But other than that, I do think that Kintaro is going to win this fight via finish, via knockout, especially. Ah, yes. Yeah. I, I think I'll be with submission. I think that I think that Kintaro is going to submit uh, Kato. I think he's going to bring it down to the ground and do it that way. But, hey, you know, I think it'll be, I think we, we both think it'll be a finish one way or another. And I'll, I'll tell you this. And we both think that Kintaro is going to win one way or another, Exactly. Right? Exactly. And you know what fight's going to definitely go to the finish? The next one. Uh, uh, yes. More super big boys are in action as former PXC heavyweight champion and current deep megaton champion Rocky Martinez takes on the former All Japan Pro Wrestler. Well, not former, semi-former. The former Jiu-Jitsu Super Hulk. The former 1FC heavyweight title challenger and just an all-around hoss of a human being, big body, Hideki Shrek Sakine. First of all, the particulars on your homeboy Shrek. He stands in at 5 feet 10 inches tall, weighs in possibly at around from 
what I'm looking at on his typology photo, he weighs in probably around 255, maybe 260. He's 46 years old, born August 13, 1973, in Iwata, Shizuoka, Japan. He is seven and three overalls a mixed martial artist, fighting on a bonsai jiu-jitsu in Iwata, Shizuoka, Japan. And of course, as far as his MMA career goes, six of his seven wins are via finish, three knockouts, three submissions. And of course, as I mentioned before, he's competed for All Japan Pro Wrestling and Ganryu Jima, as well as Quintet, outside of mixed martial arts. He's competed for Deep, Real Fighting, and three times for one FC, losing all three of those fights via TKO, losing his heavyweight title opportunity to Brandon Chukvera, December 2nd, 2016, Losing to Alain the Black Panther and Glani back on September 16, 2017, via one punch, 11 second knockout. And losing to Alexandre Machado back on December, back on November 23rd, 2018, from 1FC. And in addition to this fight, I mean, I'm not sure if he's fought for deep. I mean, he was supposed to fight for deep at their Hamamatsu Impact show, but unfortunately, if it didn't make tape, it didn't make the results. Mm -hmm. So, oh, wait, actually, his opponent, Rocky Martinez, the former PXC heavyweight champ, the former top FC heavyweight champ, the current deep megaton champ. He's 5'10", 260. 33 years old, born March 4th, 1986, represents Fight 22, fighting out of Yoma, Guam. And of course, as I mentioned before, he fought for Pacific Extreme Combat. He's going to be a shoot-in to fight for the new Brawl INTL promotion that's going to be based out of Guam, and they're going to be fighting in a square cage. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be something to look forward to. He fights out of Taminung, Guam, the U.S. territory, and has a record of 15 wins, 6 losses, and 2 draws, with 11 of his 15 wins, 7 knockouts, and 4 submissions, via finish, of course. Of course, he is riding, <laughs> he is riding a rising record of 2-2, two two, choking out Jerome Geronimo of Nevada, Knocking out Samurai Johnson, I mean Samurai Mark Hunt, Kiyoshi Kurabara, before losing to Miracle Kokoff in his final win in MMA, and losing via split decision to Jay Kuhn. Aside from that, he's a beast indeed. He defeated Jai B. Park Singh at Deep Cage Impact 2017 to become the Megaton Champion, and since then, has torn up just about anything he can Based off against, he knocked out Ryo Sakai, who will be on this card. He embarrassed Sega Michiguchi two rounds at deep 93rd impact back on December 15th. But now that I'm wasting all my breath talking about this, do you think that this fight will last one round or two? And of course, who do you think is going to win? Well, easy. Well, here's the thing as well. You also mentioned that Sakin is also... Uh, he is from Hamamatsu, well, Shizuoka area. 
pro wrestler for All Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you may think that, oh, this guy, first of all, did you see the picture that Ryzen used in the promotion for this fight? Uh, which one? For Rocky or for Sakine? For Sakine. It is an absolutely fucking hilarious picture that they used. It is so funny to look at. Right, it made him look more beastly than ever before. Exactly. Here's, uh, you know, the funny, this guy is a very interesting person. You know, he's a former police officer who won, who, oh, who, who quit his, quit. Kind of like the big body version of Shinya Oki. Yeah, exactly, or the great Kali. Um, oh, bigger, God. bigger, bigger Don't body. You, the lesser said about that, the better. Don't you ever fucking reference the great Kali and this guy in the same sentence. So I'm going to read what Sakin said because I think, you know, he said something very interesting in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, press release for Ryzen for his comments. He says, I want to fight as a pro wrestler and show the greatness of a pro wrestler. My go-to move is my German suplex and backdrops, so I'd like to utilize, utilize those in my fight. I want to show pe- the people who I was involved with when I was a police officer and show them that police officers are really strong. Huh. Of course. Now here's the thing. I've watched his M- a few of his MMA fights. I saw his uh, his matches against Brandon Vera and um, the 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 thirty second knockout as well in the first round that he that he had where he just ran at his opponent and uh, blew his chin out. I've watched his grappling stuff. I watched he was in, he competed in ADCC actually um, oh. a while back. He was a lot thinner though. He looked a lot thinner. He also had a a grappling match with Keenan Cornelius. As well, uh, Keenan Cornelius won, but he did not submit him. Um, so he does, and he trains. He trains with the the Souza brothers at the at the uh, Bonsai Gym in Hamamatsu. So right, right. Here's the. Oh boy, hold on. I'm about to sneeze. I'm about to sneeze. Hold on. Oh, excuse me. Passed. Pleasure. Um. So is he gonna fight? gonna fight this as a grappler or is he gonna do what he says he's gonna fight like a pro wrestler whatever the fuck that means i i think huh. hopefully was, it's not gonna be like fighting like c young punk <laughs> uh, yeah now it, it, the guy clearly has charisma he's a personality but i think obviously we have to go i have to go with rocky martinez first round knockouts i don't unless Unless Sakine gets him to down to the ground and maybe submits him, I don't see this fight going to the ground until Sakine gets knocked out. What do you think, Christian? You know what? I'm going to have to agree with you. <coughs> Sorry. Because when it comes down to him saying, fight like a pro wrestler, I mean, this dude's probably saying... Oh, I hope not to fight like CM Punk. Hopefully. When really, when we all know, when we all know how the fuck that went, it didn't go so well. Still, the point of the matter is that, of course, Rocky Martinez wants to make up for his two losses in Rising so far, and that would be a good now. Oh, to... here's the other thing as well, Christian. So mm-hmm. this fight, no elbows allowed. 
Oh, but it'll still be violent, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> of course. Of course. But, uh, yeah, there's no elbows allowed in this fight, I believe. Um, I, think I believe that's what Rocky Martinez told me, that there's that they do not allow elbows for this fight. Let me just, let me just double check <laughs> on that. Um, <laughs> right. Now I see the Sikine picture, and the dude is basically looking jacked to the gills. But it's like Mike Tyson once said, everybody got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, here's the thing. You know, I always like to cheer for the pro wrestler. I always like to, you know, I'm, I'm a pro wrestling guy. But I don't think this is going to be a pro wrestling night. I think it's going to be a Rocky Martinez knockout first round and then head back to Guam and wait for that for that next fight. Maybe that open weight tournament, maybe. Who knows? And I think that Rocky Martinez is probably going to win this too. But it's probably going to be a second round knockout. Oh, you think it'll last that long? Good. Okay. Mm hmm. Because Sakina is probably going to tie himself out like most pro wrestlers do. Yeah. Gas up a little bit. Well, I'll say and this then, all on Christian. I got I to gotta interrupt you because when I was watching his grappling matches, he didn't get tired. He got. He was actually able to compose. Like, I was expecting a, a heaving, puffing guy. Um. But um, I he seemed to 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 last pretty long, you know. I mean, that was you know, that he, that was grappling tournaments years ago. Obviously, he's a lot heavier now. It looks like so maybe it's totally different. Maybe he will gas. Who the fuck knows? You could be entirely right. Right, right. Which is why I said it. I think he's gonna gas out. <laughs> Probably give himself up. And then after that, he's going to set himself up to get knocked out. Mm. Yep, that's what's, I think that's what's going to happen. He'll be looking at the lights, as they say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, how many fights do we got left on this part? We got three more fights, and I'll be happy to take on the next one before we go on to the co-main and the main, because we don't want to talk about finishes. I think this is another fight that's going to have a very quick finish. Uh, because we got another no-elbow MMA fight, uh, between Marcos Yoshio Souza, the older brother of Roberto Satoshi Souza, taking on Portugal's, so they both speak Portuguese, but in different parts of, but from different regions of, 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 Portu of Portuguese, Falco Neto, whose name, I, 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 I like to call him Falcon, because his name Spells out Falcon when you look at his mm. name. So Falco Telito, it's Falco Telito Neto versus Marquinhos Marcos Yoshio de Sousa. Now, if it's okay with you, should I give out the particulars? Oh, by all means, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Falco Neto. <laughs> he is thirty-four years old. Falco Neto Lopez, April second, nineteen eighty-five. The day after, no, the week after the first WrestleMania. He, he, he's five feet ten inches tall, one hundred eighty-three pounds with a seventy-three inch reach. He represents Cleaver Team, and he has no. He represents Cleaver Team. He fights out of Porto Portugal, and he has a MMA record of eleven wins. 
and 10 losses. Nine of those 11 wins be a finish. Mm-hmm. Seven knockouts, two submissions. By the way, I have a 35 years old Christian. This is from Ryzen. Oh. Right, 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 right. But still, he fought more recently at the Bellator event in Birmingham, England, last May, losing to Fabian Edwards. Now, that was the, that was the, uh, the, the up kick. That was the, like that was like the Birmingham that had like all those like weird finishes. The main event had the uh, Brent Primus doing the uh, Go Go Plata finish, and then I think Nado got got knocked out by an up kick by Fabian Edwards as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up kick by Fabian the Assassin Edwards. Yeah, so uh, eleven and ten. Just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And his opponent, Marcos. Joaquin Hulse, Yorkio de Tulsa, 5'10", 171 pounds, but he will probably be bulking up for this fight. Age 35, born December 5th, 1984 in Sao Paulo, Brazil, represents the same fight camp as his brother and as Hideki Shirtsukine, Bonsai Jiu-Jitsu, Iwata Shizuoka, Japan. He is 8-2 as a professional mixed martial artist, with six of his eight wins via submission, aside from one knockout and one decision. He is. He also fought once in Ryzen, more recently losing to Key to K. Tall Nakamura, Ryzen 19, October 12th, 2019. But in addition to that, he's a veteran of Quintet, and he's the former. Arzalut, real fighting welterweight champion. As well as, well, yeah, he's the former Arzalut, real fighting welterweight champion. So, yeah, even though this dude recently lost to a guy as skilled as Keitaro Nakamura, do you think that Marco Shoshio de Souza is going to finish Falco Neto off? So I watched a bunch of Falco Falcons fights, um, and this is what I wa- This is what I have. Where I wrote about him. This guy is a pretty terrible fighter. He has a glass chin. Gives his back to his opponents. <laughs> he is a strong puncher if the opportunity arises, but he keeps his hands down all the time. And is susceptible to being KO'd. Listen, I don't think that Souza is gonna is gonna KO this guy. But listen, this is not gonna last long. I think that Neto is gonna get easily submitted by the Souza. If Neto wins, I would be flabbergasted if that happens. I think that DeSouza is the much more better fighter. And if he loses this, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Ryzen is just not the promotion for him. Easy win for DeSouza by submission. What do you say, Christian? Well, of course, this is a sport where anything can and obviously does happen. But... I think that when it comes to this particular fight, you know that Marcos is going to have the hometown crowd, I mean the home prefecture crowd ahead of him. You know damn well that he's going to probably bring a whole lot of noise into that small Hamamatsu arena. And I just think that Falco, I think really bash him because I've never seen him compete before. But when your record, <clears throat> when your record is one shot, one loss shot at 500, you have to be rethinking your strategy. 
Yeah. Really do. Also, just want you to know as well. Sorry, I forgot to also add that uh, that this will have no elbows. I don't know if I mentioned it before, but there'll be no elbows in this fight. And yeah, no, sorry. You know, Nato is not a good fighter. I've watched a bunch of his fights. Yeah, one of his fights he got a knockout win because he's a strong puncher. But here's the thing: this guy's gotten knocked out, knocked out multiple times. He's been submitted multiple times. He's taking out a jujitsu black belt. He not he won't get knocked out, I don't think. But he's gonna he he will get submitted. I don't see any other. So, so what do you think? He's like Glass Joe and Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah, exactly. He he's a Glass Joe. He's Glass Joe, and uh, this is this is this is clearly a jobber fight. Did they they were bringing him in because they want the Souza to win? That is that is so clear as day. Mm-hmm. They want to give him... They want to give him the easy victory over the local athlete. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is why I think that Marcos Yoshio Marquinhos de Sousa is probably going to win this fight via submission in the second round. Oh, you're saying second. I'm saying first. <laughs> Either way, Falco Neto won't last long because of the fact that he just... I mean, for fuck's sake, the dude's old. I don't even think that's even a factor. I don't even think the age is a factor. It's the fact that he's just not a good fighter. He's just not good. He really, he's really not. This is he is he is on a level like I don't want like I wouldn't even like he's not even on a he's just a, a, like he has no fight IQ. He has very yeah. terrible fight IQ. I guess you could say he's not a good fighter. He's this is this is a clearly outmatched fight for Neto. At least it should be, or I should say for the Souza. So mm-hmm. should... I mean, granted, both of these two are around the same age, so I can't really say that they're old. But the point of the matter is, you're right. Neto is just coming in, flying from halfway around the world to take the ass Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Easy one for the Souza. Nothing else to say about this fight. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and go on to the Colleen event because I know that's going to bring more interest than what we just talked about. What we just talked about. And that Colleen event is a bantamweight fight between Josh Barnett's top protege versus a guy who has fought in the UFC and Sengoku before but has not fought in exactly three years. It's La Mangosta Victor Henry versus Masanori Kenshian Kanehara. First of all, the particulars for the former Sengoku featherweight champion Kanehara. He is 5 feet 8 inches tall. Weighs in at 134.9 pounds. He's 37 years old. Born November 19th. 1982 in Musashi, Murayama, Tokyo, Japan. He represents Reversal Gym Tachikawa Alpha, fighting out of Hachioji, Tokyo, Japan. He is a he is a veteran of the UFC in Sengoku, with an overall MMA record of 26 wins, 13 losses, and five draws. 19 of those 26 wins via submission. 11 I mean, 19 of those 26 wins via finish, 11 submissions and 8 knockouts. He is the first ever Sengoku featherweight champion. 
obviously beating me, obviously beating, sorry, 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 I hate doing research on the fly, but yeah, he's a veteran, obsessed, K-1 heroes, <clears throat> Chudo, and Grace. Well, victory rose in Goku, which he defeated Michihiro Omiyawa to become the Sengoku featherweight champion, as well as, of course, the UFC, which he fought four times, which he fought three times in, going one and two overall, losing to Aniyaya and Michael McDonald, defeating Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres, before going back into MMA, knocking out Charlie El Guerrero Alaniz, and submitting the Jumbo Chutwana. The latter of those two fights was back on April 1st, 2018, which, of course, it's been nearly two years since he fought in professional MMA, but, of course, he kept himself busy fighting in rise, I mean, fighting in kickboxing for knockout, Muay Thai kickboxing, and beating in quintet. Most recently, obviously, fighting on the quintet fight night in Tokyo car, Back on June 9th, 2018, but also getting a victory over Victor Henry on that same evening. Speaking of which, the I mean the current deep bantamweight champion, Victor Lamangosta Henry, representing the UWF USA camp, fighting out of Southgate, Los Angeles, California, under the direction in catch wrestling of Josh the Warmaster Barnett. And Ushina Anika. He's five feet seven inches tall, 136 pounds. He's 32 years old, born in the Southgate section of Los Angeles, eight, I mean May 4th of 1987. He holds a record of 19 wins and four losses. Twelve of those 19 wins via finish, seven submissions, five KOs or TKOs. And he's currently running a six-fight winning streak, with his most recent stint being indeed one, two, and zero, oh. knocking out Takafumi Oska and feeding Yuki Motoya to become the deep bantamweight champion. But also, he's fought in Ryzen more recently, back on August the 18th at Ryzen 18, choking out Trent Gurdon in your local. But still. When it comes down to this of course, I mentioned Kanehara wanting Quintet. I mean, do you think it'll, do you think it wouldn't be crazy for Victor Henry to get his revenge and some rise and ring? Oh, yeah. Well, remember, we talked to Victor Henry, and, you know, we did bring up, oh, you know, he, uh, he did beat you in, uh, in uh, Quintet, and, and, you know, as uh, Victor Henry said that, you know, that's a grappling match, you know, different rules, different setting, all that stuff. This is an MMA match, you know. If he try, if, if Kanye Hara does try to uh, grapple, you know Victor Henry can kick him in the face if he wants to, and uh, not get disqualified as opposed to, but that that would happen. So I mean, you know, I, I'm a little bit, I'm curious to know though why Kanye Hara hadn't hadn't fought in three years. You know, I, I'm uh, my guess would probably have to be an injury. Well, or something. actually, he hasn't fought in nearly two. Two. Okay, I wonder why, because you know. I, that, that, Two years is a little bit of a layoff year. That's a little bit. I wonder if there was some injuries or something that he was like healing up for or something. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know. Maybe it was an offer or something. But you know, 
uh, or something along those lines. I mean, here's the thing. Kanehara had an okay record in UFC. Uh, just like most Japanese people who go to UFC, they don't, unfortunately, they aren't successful. I think it's a very exciting matchup to make. Though, I think that Victor Henry has been on quite a streak. I think he's going to get his win back. And then maybe, who knows, we'll see these. I think it'll go all three rounds, to tell you the truth. I think it's going to go to, I think it's going to, go to the decision. Maybe even a close decision. Um, but I think it'll go in Victor Henry's uh, favor. And who knows, maybe we'll do a kickboxing bout between these two necks. Or a boxing bout. Maybe just have these two face off in every type of combat sports thing forever for the rest of, the, for the rest of their lives. But I pick Victor Henry by unanimous decision win. What do you say, Christian? I think Victor Henry's probably going to win via submission. Oh, wow, really? Okay. I mean, in a way, it'll probably be... I mean, in a way... In a way, Kanehara defeated Victor Henry via submission, obviously in quintet, where submission is basically the way of life. Yeah. But I think it wouldn't be, you know... Surprising if Victor Henry were to defeat Kanehara via submission because, of course, it'd be like an eye for an eye. Oh, yes, it would be. It would be. And you know, most of uh, most of Kanehara's losses, I believe, are by submission. Um, mm -hmm. While Victor Henry has never been finished in an MMA match. I mean, yeah, of course, he lost via decision a few times in Pan Grace. But still, I mean, he lost via decision a few times in Van Crates and on the California region, on the California and Washington State regional scenes. But of course, the dude's never been finished. Yeah, I think so I think I think this is going to be unfortunate. Another one of those things where where Rise is bringing uh, Japanese fighters who maybe I don't want to say passer prime, but are getting close to the end uh, uh, the end of their um, run. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think Victor. This will be an easy win for Victor Henry. I think we well, we both agree on that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully so. Yeah. I mean, but then again, we could be wrong. No, we could be wrong. Um, but I don't. I don't. I don't think this is gonna be a case. I, I. I think. I think that Victor Henry. Victor Henry's been on quite an MMA role. You know, deep band weight champ. You know, he's defeated a lot of people. Defeated a lot of opponents. Um. I, like I said, that's why I think this fight will go all three rounds because I think I just don't think that it's going to be an easy submission win for uh, Victor Henry. I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. I see. Now, without further ado, do you want to talk about the main event or do you uh, want to stall a little bit? <laughs> nope. Uh, let's go on to, that, to this main event. This, uh, uh, I guess I guess you'd call it main event with a lowercase m because it kind of is. It's really because... This ain't getting shown. I mean, this event's not getting shown. But what a hell of a way to close it out, right? Well, I mean, also, but also, like, isn't it just, you know, when you think of main event, does this scream main event to you? Nothing for me. I mean, well, to be quite honest. Except for one name. Except for one name. Of the, one of the names in the, in the main event, of course. I mean, to be quite honest, the kind of horror... Henry fight seems more like a main event fight to me. That's true, that's true, but... Well, well, we'll we'll talk about why I think this is a weak main event. Uh, I'll let you do the particulars first, Christian. Okay, the supposed main event of this fight card is 140. <clears throat> is a bout at a catch weight of 150 pounds or 68 kilos and change. Zelkazador, Daniel the Hunter Salas. 
versus Rasakula. First of all, the particulars with Senor Salas. Salas, 5 feet 10, 155 and a half pounds. He dropped down to 150 for this fight. He's 31 years old, born June 8, 1988, representing Bone Breakers MMA and fighting at a Mexico City Distrito Federal, Mexico. He owns an MMA, well, actually, he fights out of Iztapalapa Distrito Federal, Mexico, by way of Mexico City. Anyways, he owns an MMA record of 16 wins, 6 losses, and 1 draw with 13 of his 16 wins via finish, eight submissions, five TKOs. He is a veteran of the regional scenes without Latin America, basically Mexico and Brazil, as he's fought, well actually he's fought in the US before for Jackson's MMA series, but he's fought in Mexico for a number of different promotions, even was the CRF lightweight champion some six years ago, but he also fought for XFC International in Brazil and was a season two alum of the ultimate fighter losing to eventual UFC, former UFC fighter Horatio Gutierrez. And he was on uh, Team Gastelum, I believe. Uh, Calvin Gastelum's team. Uh, right, right, right. He's currently riding a two-fight winning streak. Oh. Although he's only fought once every year for the last two years, mm. of course. His opponent, without further ado, is basically like, I mean, would you say that the Asakura brothers are like the Diaz brothers in Japan? Absolutely. They're, they're YouTube stars. They're, fight, they're MMA stars. That's why I was saying, you know, hey, you know, we got at least one star uh, uh, part of this uh, main event? Well, I guess this guy would kind of be like the Nick Diaz of the Asakura brothers. <laughs> Mikuru Asakura. 5 feet 10 inches tall, 145 and a half pounds. 27 years old, born July 15, 1992. So he's the older brother of Kai. Mm -hmm. Fighting out of Triforce Jiu-Jitsu Academy as a karateka. And hailing from Toyohashi, Aichi, Japan. His MMA record is an outstanding one. That 12 wins, one loss, and one no contest with seven of his 12 wins. Six knockouts and one submission via finish. And of course, much like his baby, well, not like his baby brother, even though Kai just lost at Ryzen 20 snapping his undefeated record but still ever since he's been in the rising fighting federation miku mikuru has been dominating defeating hasuhio via knockout defeating karshiga doubtback via decision knocking out leon takeshi anyway defeating luis killer gustavo and use Kayachi, and also more recently at rise 20 on new year's eve defeating john Teixeira. All in all, that's a seven-fight winning streak. Mm -hmm. And he's won his last eight, dating back to his loss at Road FC 43 to kill Lee, which is water under the bridge now. But still, point of the matter is, you say this fight's not made a bit worthy. 
But do you think that Mikuru closes the show with a knockout? Oh. And if Salas does try and combat this, how long do you think he'll last? I think this is an easy knockout win for Daniel Salas. I know we talked to Daniel Salas. Really nice guy. He seemed to be very humble that, that, that these that these gringos were contacting him for an interview. Uh, will be uploaded this week. But Well, a gringo and a negro. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, but, listen, the reason why I didn't say this is main event level is because Mikuru has a... Listen, Mikuru has said that he wanted... That he's always wanted better competition in Ryzen. We're seeing, it's a lot like a Jiri thing. And now Mikuru is saying that he's going to be focusing more on his YouTube career rather than fighting. Here's the thing. If Ryzen wants to keep stars like Mikuru, give them what they want. And Daniel Salas, Danny Commodore Salas, is not one of those things. It's not one of those... Listen, honestly, the, you know who the toughest pro has been for, uh, for Mikuru? Honestly, John Macapa. John Macapa is the only fighter who looked like he had a chance of defeating... Um, Mikuru. And so, and I, I, you answer that with Daniel Salas, a guy who couldn't make on the ult, who got eliminated from Ultimate Fighter, uh, and uh, has, you say he's on a two fight winning streak, but I mean, mm -hmm. he's getting, he, you know, what's his record? 16 and 6, you said? Yeah, 16, 6, and 1. 16, 6, and 1. Okay. I mean, that's not the worst MMA record, but compared to Mikuru, who's only had one loss, I mean, on paper, you tell me that Mikuru is going to win. I mean, is it a fight? Anything can happen, sure. And I get, and, I, and you know, listen, it would be so funny if Salas won because I guarantee that this would throw Ryzen's plans all over the place to build up Mikuru. So here's the thing I think that Mikuru knocks him out. Uh, I'm going to say second round. Salas maybe have the better advantage on the ground. I'll give him that. But I don't see this fight going to the ground at all. Second round knockout win for Mikuru Azakura, and we and we end with uh, with Mikuru Azakura uh, speaking on the microphone to the Hamamatsu faithful. What do you say, Christian? And telling people to subscribe to his YouTube. Ah, uh, yes, channel. to like, subscribe, and uh, and hit that uh, hit that notification button. <laughs> but yeah, I think when it comes down to Mikuru Azakura, you have to realize this dude. I mean, yeah, it's okay that he more focused on YouTube because he's more focused now on being an influencer rather than an actual fighter. Yeah. But if he doesn't take these small fights seriously, he might end up getting that second loss on his record. That's true. I mean, here's the thing. I'll tell you the truth. The re I think a bigger fight... Listen, Manel Cape has been calling out Miku Razakura. That, to me, is more of a main event. Than, than Mika Razakura versus Dan, Daniel Salas. Yeah, but of course, Mika ain't going to drop down the bantamweight for a fight with... I mean, Mika is not going to drop down to bantamweight for a fight with Manuel Cape. I mean, if anything, he's going to probably get 140 pounds instead of 150. Hey, listen, I'm fine with that. Listen, listen, that that is that's a main event fight to me. Just, just you know, this is not... This is not the only reason why it's main event is because Mikuru's in it. That's the only reason why. No no other... Right. That's the only reason why it has any semblance of, of being close to a main event uh, uh, fight uh, on this card. Right, right. I mean, do you think that Daniel Salas has any, any, any shot at all? Do you think there's any, any, any semblance of a chance that Daniel Salas can, 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 
get the come from behind win? I mean, I think there is. But again, you just never know what could happen in these MMA fights, man. Because clearly, I think that 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 that, that Ryzen wants Mikuru to win, and then maybe we'll do that featherweight tournament this year. If Silas wins, that's gonna throw that's gonna throw their plans all the way up in the air. I mean, yeah, it's bad. I mean, yeah, it would be bad enough with Ryzen having issues with international streaming. You know, to have an international fighter who's basic. I mean, basically come in and beat one of your top stars. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen unless Mikuru is not taking this fight seriously, which so far we haven't seen him do that yet. Um, it'll be an easy win for, for Mr. Azakura, the older, the elder. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. o- overall, Christian, I want to get your thoughts. What do you think of this card overall? Um, and if it's available, becomes legally available uh, to, to watch live, Not you don't have to go through any hoops of getting a VPN or any of that shit. Would you definitely tune in to it? I would definitely tune in, but it wouldn't be through. It wouldn't be through any regular streaming site. It would have to, unfortunately for me, be through illegal streaming because I ain't got money like that. Gotcha. Even uh, you have no fight TV credits. Um, yeah, I got like thirty fight credits, but I want to save them for something special. However. If Ryzen ain't going to be on fight anymore, what the hell? I might as well just waste it. Exactly, exactly. Well, good, good point, good point. I think the show looks good. I hope there's there's something that comes up, you know, at zero hour to, to get this show to us. I I won't be surprised if it makes YouTube. If, here's the thing. If this show, you know, we'll still review the show if, there's, if we can get all the fights, if we can see all the fights somehow. Obviously, we may not be able to review it this week. The, the week of the show. Heck, it may be like three weeks after the show. Who who the fuck knows? I have no idea. But but if you follow us respectively on Twitter, at ChrisGary92 for me, at Benjamin for him, at WeAreRisingPod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word for the show, then you will probably get notified just, you know, to see what the hell we're going to be doing next. Exactly. I mean, to see if we're even going to be reviewing this show, because, of course, with Ryzen's situation, not showing to international viewers, putting the show on tape delay in Japan, I mean, our only hope is through, you know, social media. I mean, like I said before, off there, Bruno Masami's going to be the main one. I mean, Bruno Masami's pretty much our make or break. I mean, he's going to be the one covering this show for the international masses, and he's probably the only international person, you know, to cover for this show, even though he lives in Japan. It's going to be like 2015 all over again. Eh, of course, but at least in 2015, we had options. Well, we didn't have options. It was either stay up and watch a Russian stream or stay through New Year's Eve New Year's Eve Day or record it for New Year's Day and watch it on Spike. <laughs> uh, exactly. With that, Christian, but yeah, give off the rest with of the plugs. Said, yeah, yeah. With that being said, let's go ahead and knock these plugs out the way and call it a call it a night, why don't we? Because it's getting late where you are. 
it's a it's about a quarter past midnight where I'm at. So yeah, if you want to follow our show, of course, follow us on Twitter respectively. You can check out the show on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube. Pretty soon, hopefully soon, on all podcast providers of choice. You can follow Focus Fight. We cover fight prospects all around the fight globe. The scenes of more corners of the fighting world will be in the side. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Focus Fights, or just go to YouTube. Search for Focus Fights. We don't have a URL yet. We're too fucking lazy to even plan for that. But hey, you check us out. We'll bring you interviews with some great fighters, some great, you know, fight personalities, maybe even a few fighters, a few people away from the fight world. <laughs> we're gonna we gonna give all that to you. And now and also, don't forget to check out the MMA opinion, one of the best fight blogs on Facebook, Facebook.com slash the MMA opinion. And also for more information. On the Rise of Fighting Federation, you can follow them on Twitter or choose to follow them at this point on Twitter at Ryzen underscore PR for the domestic version, the Japanese version, at Ryzen underscore English for all you international fight fans. And they are on Facebook and Instagram at Ryzen Fighting Federation or on YouTube where you can search for Ryzen Fighting Federation. But other than that, and we want to try not to put over fight, but if you want to check them out, you follow them on all forms of social media at Fight TV or just download the Fight TV app, free for iOS and Android. Even though, unfortunately, their days are officially done when it comes down to putting up the sport. And then, Andrew, do you want to say anything else before we... Call it an end? Well, you know, they're not entirely. There's those those replays are still available, so uh, feel free to uh, to buy them with your leftover Fight TV credits or purchase them with your credit card or whatever. Um, and hopefully, Fight TV will stop being assholes and stop with this whole strike strike war, strike uh, copyright war over thirty second gifts because it's really fucking annoying mm. and it's gonna it's gonna hurt them financially. Mm. Right. I mean, they say when it comes down to fight, F-I-T-E, fight like you mean it, I think their new slogan should be F-I-T-E, don't be such a dick. Exactly. <laughs> no, really, it should be. And with that in mind, and with that in mind, show's over. You know, hopefully we'll see you. I mean, we'll hear from y'all when we hear from y'all. But until then, as Lenny Clark always likes to say, and whether Ryzen airs on another English language platform or not, we still gonna keep saying this. Hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> Botch. <laughs> but still, for Andrew, I'm Chris Gary. We would like to say goodnight, and as always, as Lenny Clark likes to say, and I'm gonna keep saying this. Until there is no more rising fighting federation. We and on that note, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later. Peace. Out. Take care, everybody. <laughs>